It's another beautiful day in podcast um, podcast town. Pod pod it's on Podcast Street on Podcast Avenue. Ah, uh, nothing. Long work day for me, so I'm beat. But I'm here for the audience, and I'm here because I like to record. Yep. And I'm here. For, and I'm here for you because I don't think you want to do this by yourself. I thought about it. Yeah, I've thought about it. Like, what if I just, I could always just do like little random just me recordings and just throw them up on the page, but eh, I'd rather have somebody to talk to. Uh, let's see. The week in gaming. I haven't really heard a lot of pressing news. Uh, people are still reeling over the announcements. People are still talking about uh, Negan and Tekken 7, which I'm glad. I'm glad that the, the majority of what I'm hearing is, why is he here? So, but I'm, I'm also hearing, and this is, there's nothing official yet that I can find, but the slow rumblings of the next generation of consoles, you know, seems like about every week it's, it's more and more. We know it's coming. We know the PlayStation 5 is on the way and the Xbox 2 and the Switch 2, whatever. It's on the way. But I treat it just like I treat games, man. I'm not really not really hard up for it. It's not something that's pressing. Just yeah. get it to us whenever. And it would be better for me if it blew my mind when it came out as opposed to how soon it comes out, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I'm not, not- I don't really care which three brings it first you know i just want it to be like something where, where we tap each other on the shoulder and go hey look at this this is awesome instead of oh look another graphical upgrade woohoo yeah but i mean i don't know how much better we're going to get you know as far as improvements i mean really we're not hurting for power now you know no everything looks good i mean looks really good there's lots of games today that you can look at and go yeah yeah that's it's taxing on a system, and it looks beautiful. Yeah. Looking at you, God of War. And I, I think uh, the, I think the news is kind of slow because everybody's still playing WoW with its new expansion. Oh, uh, yeah, that is a piece of news that uh, the new expansion finally dropped. And, yeah, it's, it's good, man. It's always good when our, when a uh, MMO gets more stuff to do. Uh, on our side of the world, uh, Adam, apparently, uh, we saw a message from him today that he's been talked, he's being talked into going back, which, you know, we discussed on the podcast as well. You know, he's been itching. Uh, so yeah, cool. Hope, I hope, I hope all the new content's good. And I hope, I hope, uh, hope good things for World of Warcrafters. That game has been running since 2004, I think. Sounds about right. It was pretty close to 11. Yeah, that's man, it's crazy. That is a that is a stellar system right there. So yeah, nothing really news related I I can think of. Um, I guess we can just roll into weeks then. Shoot, roll into mine because I've had a fairly interesting week. Uh, not that it matters. I'm sure you had an interesting week too. That <laughs> we try to take turns on the podcast, but it doesn't really fucking matter. Uh, so personal life stuff. I haven't really seen any movies. Um, I've been, what's a legal way I can say this, Chris? Let's just say I've been on a downloading spree lately. Uh, okay. I've been acquiring some shit that's potentially going away from the internet. Uh, For those that have listened to the last couple episodes of our podcast and 
follow the news of video gaming in this time frame, you know, this August 2018 time frame, I'm sure you understand. It's probably not that big a deal. I mean, we're talking about emulation, by the way, folks. I mean, come on, it's, it's, it's not beating on the bush here. <laughs> uh, it's probably not going away. I mean, you're going to be able to get this shit some way, somehow. Uh, it's just, it's like a fucking domino effect, man. I'm seeing site after site after site taken down or just flat out going down and writing these long, you know, hey, we've been dealing with this for a long time, but now that it's it's really getting bad, so we're backing out, you know, hope it's been fun while it's lasted. So, yeah. I've been trying to wade through the pond as best as I can. Uh personal personal life stuff. I did uh so let me let me, let me take you on a trip, Chris. A trip called right. Me Getting Contacts. <laughs> oh my god. So huh. Roughly about, I'd say about eight, nine years ago, I decided, all right, well, if I'm not going to get LASIK or, la- or laser surgery, I'm going to get contacts because everybody around me has them. And I've been wearing contacts since I was six years old. I mean, glasses since I was six years old. Let's try this upgrade. Let's see what the hubbub is like. Let's see what it's like to be able to see damn near 2020 and not have glasses on. A little rough for me in my eyes because I not horrible. The the paperwork and the doctors say it's horrible, but I can still see. So mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I have stigmatism in my left eye, pretty bad, and I'm just I've got a little teeny bit of it in my right eye as well. For those in the audience that are blessed to not have to wear glasses and you don't understand what that is or don't know what that is, that's kind of mean to say. Stigmatism is basically a malformation of your iris. Instead of having a perfect circle or a circle, you have basically an oval shape or a football shape or some weird shape. And that odd shape makes it really hard for your eye. Welcome to the eye cast, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to the end of time. I'm Michael. I'm Chris. (laughs) And this is the eye cast. Um so yeah, you basically your eyes have to focus all the time. For th- the best way that I've explained it to people is that okay, you know how on your TV you have a sharpness knob or a sharp a sharpness uh meter or whatever. Turn that sharpness all the way as far as it can go. You see how your picture is very crisp and very like you can see the edges and you can see the details very cool very well. Take that slider and put it to about 70, 75. You notice how everything got a little bit blurrier? That's what living with stigmatism is like. That's what I walk around with when I don't have my glasses on. Everything is just a little bit fuzzy, a little bit blurry. I can still see pretty well. I mean, I can drive. I can fucking function without wearing glasses. I'm not blind. But when I wear my glasses, everything's in focus. That's the whole point of having glasses on. So... I went to go get contacts about eight years ago, and I, I, I already knew, I was I was told, but I already knew it was going to be a stronger prescription, just like my glasses are, because I have stigmatism. I said, okay, which means they're going to be more expensive as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not too bad of a, of a system, man. You go in, you get a, you get an eye exam like normal. They do a separate eye-like measurement, basically to measure your eye, so when they ship you a contact, it will fit your eye. It will uh, conform to your eye properly. And 
and that's it. They order you some contacts or luck, maybe they'll have some on hand, like a trial pair on hand. And then you wear them. And, and if you like them, you buy the, you buy more of them. And there you go. You're now a contact wearer. So this was a bad experience for me uh, about eight years ago. And the reason why is I apparently have really strong eyelids. Number one. I have really long eyelashes, number two, and the general shape, because I've gone my whole life basically squinting my whole life, my, <laughs> I, yeah, I know, it's it's a riot, man. My eyes are, they look smaller, basically. They're not, but that's just, my eyes have grown that way. My eyelids have grown to where my I look like I'm squinting all the time, and I have to squint to focus. Sure. This has led to a huge problem for me because, so the first time, eight years ago, went to go get contacts, did the prescription, did the exam. They ordered me some trials because they didn't have my prescription in. Of course they did. My eyes are horrible. I got the trial pair in and the lady's like, look, you're going to come in. You're going to sit with me for about 10 minutes tops. I'm just going to show you how to put them in. But I rarely, I rarely have to show anybody. Anybody can see how to put them in. You put them on your finger and you, you suck them to your eyeball. You just put them, you just physically push them on your eyeball. Simple. You're going to be in and out. No problem. I said, all right, cool. So I went up there and we sat down, broke open the contacts, washed my hands, pour the solution in, rinse them around. And she's like, yeah, you just put them on the tip of your, of your index finger. And you use one finger to pull your top eyelid up and another finger to pull your bottom lid down. And you just bring the contact up to your eye and push it on. You can actually feel it slash kind of hear it when it goes as it, as it suctions on. I'm like, all right, cool. Easy peasy. 40 minutes later, <laughs> I do not have one motherfucking contact in any in my eye. I cannot get contacts in. It is a legitimate actual fucking hassle for me to put contacts in now that combined with everybody around me in personal life co-workers friends family uh just people who i talk to that do wear contacts are like yeah man it's real simple here's mm -hmm. the trick that i do you know it, it works all the time doesn't work i talk to another person yeah man i, I do mine with one hand here's how i do it doesn't work everybody around me Everybody, this shit is easy. Like, it's nothing to it. It's like breathing for people to put contacts in. And even the people that tell me they have a rough time putting it in at the beginning, like, you know, after about a, you know, a couple weeks to a month, they're like, yeah, I'm just so used to it. Now it's nothing. Well, I got these contacts in again eight years ago. And I think I had like six pairs and dude, I was breaking all kind of rules to wear these. Like you're not supposed to wear them overnight. I was wearing them overnight because I could not afford to waste over an hour every morning, damn near an hour and a half every morning putting these in. Um, that was really the only rule. I think I, I was pretty good about, about the, I think they only let the, depending on what contact type you get, you can only wear them for, like a week at a time or two weeks at a time or something like that. I was pretty good about the timeline, but like the overnight thing, oh, psh, fuck no, I just left them in. And I, I didn't have any problems, fortunately. And every time that I did take these contacts out, like I specifically remember I was at, uh, I was at tech school for the Air Force and I remember getting up mornings, uh, taking a shower, getting my dress blue uniform on. All right. 
I gotta get, I gotta be in my car because it's like a two minute drive. I just, I gotta leave this room in like 15 minutes. And 20 minutes later, I'm like, fuck it. I can't, I can't even get one in. I can't even get one contact in. I'll just fucking wear glasses today. So fast forward to a couple days ago. Uh, wife's got some pretty good insurance. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll try this again. I, I am getting tired of wearing glasses. Though arguably it is much fucking easier. I mean, you just you just put the glasses on your face, easy peasy. But I figure, what the hell? It's been a while. Um, maybe my eyes have been, I don't know. Maybe they've changed a little bit. Maybe they've grown. Maybe life has made them more worn. I don't know. So I went, got a prescription, uh, got a got an eye exam done, got the measurement done, and this time they actually had some on hand. They don't exactly match my prescription, but they're pretty close. And I'm telling you, Chris, as I was walking into that room, I was like, ma'am, I'm going to tell you right now, we're probably going to be here for a minute. And I gave her a quick little rundown of the story. She was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's okay. You know, the nurse, the the basically her, her aide, her nurse... Not not a nurse, but she's like an aide or whatever. She's like she she's here to help. She'll she'll give you all the tips. And I'm like, man, you don't even know. <laughs> like I've talked to, I have gotten advice from no less than fifty in person people, and I've watched I don't know how many contact videos anywhere from two minutes to twenty minutes of tips, tricks. Hey man, this is what worked for me. Hey, this is the hand that I use. This is the distance that I am from a mirror. This is the this is a like look to the left, put it on trick. I, like I've I've heard all kind of shit. I'm like, all right, man. I'm just telling you. I mean, I I'm gonna try to put them in, but I'm probably gonna be here for a minute. And it took me damn near 20 minutes to get both contacts in. My eyes are fucking super red. There's snot running down my out of my nose. I look like I've been fucking crying, but I'm not. It's just you're fucking with your eyes so much, your yeah. sinuses get fucked up. <sighs> so. I have a pair in right now. It's a trial pair. They have my actual prescription pair on order, and they'll be in soon. And when those come in, I will I will see a little bit better. But I'm just I'm having to really deal with like, all right, man. If I want contacts, I'm gonna have to fucking do this. Like I'm I need to try to get better. Need it better at taking them out and putting them in. Maybe that will help. But. It's, it's, it's good. It, it, okay. The positive of it is, is not having glasses on my face and just looking around life and not having that frame <laughs> in my vision, not yeah. having that obscurity there, just damn near seeing 2020 just by looking around. That is cool as shit. That is something that I've never got to experience since I was six years old. And it, it is nice. It is comforting. Uh, I don't have to worry about glasses scratching or dropping or none of that have to worry about other things like you know stuff getting under my contact or my contact rolling up into my eye which i know this is rare shit it's it's not gonna happen but the positives would outweigh the negatives for me if it wasn't the fact that it takes damn near an hour for me to get contacts you got to think about that chris that's that's me sitting in front of a mirror and almost a minute every time a minute every attempt going all right put it on my finger gotta set it just right 
Okay, it's not going to fall if it's there. Not too much, not too much solution on my finger. I can roll my finger. Okay, it's not moving. All right, we'll pull this eyelid up, and my eyelid's like, nah, bro, I'm not moving. I'm like, come on. So I gotta dig my finger underneath my eyelash into my eye. My eyes like, <laughs> and then I do it to the other eyelid, and my other eyelid's like, I'm, I'm just as bad. I don't want. I'm, I'm gonna stay closed, man. And then I, I'm watching and I'm trying and I push it up to my eye and the contact falls off or it rolls up or it's stuck. Mm-hmm. It's just stuck underneath my eyelid for an hour. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to wear glasses, but I haven't had a pair in probably close to 10 years now. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't wear contacts. I can't stand water in my eyes. Having something like that in it, I wouldn't even yeah. be able to. I wouldn't be able to deal with it. And I feel like such uh I feel like such a dumbass explaining to people why. They're like, I don't understand why it's a problem. Like look, I know I'm a fucking leper. I get it. <laughs> but here's the thing about here's the, and back me up on this, Chris. Here's the thing about eyes. Your eyes have eyelashes on them for mm-hmm. a purpose. Your mm-hmm. eyelashes are there that when something goes in your eye, your eyes close. Your eyes go, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, there's something. I'm going to give you a little bit of pain. I'm going to give you a little bit of sensation. And I'm not opening because there is a foreign object coming in here. And apparently my eyes are fucking general patent level of uh, (laughs) DEFCON 5. Fuck no, you're not getting in. Um, I've physically seen all kind of people, again, in real life, in front of me. I uh, just like they'll they'll take one finger and they'll take their middle finger and pull their bottom eyelid down and just just push the eye contact in. They're like, "Look, it's nothing." Like that took me like five seconds. I'm like, "That's good. I'm happy for you, <laughs> but for me, it is a it is a genuine hassle." Uh, another solution obviously would be, okay, we'll just get LASIK or laser or LASIK or, you know, whatever 20 different variations are. Uh, the laser, the laser and LASIK shit has improved over years. Thankfully, they, when I looked into it first back in, I don't know, 2005, six, somewhere in that time frame, uh, it's either that they couldn't do laser on stigmatism or. Or it was so, it just, it wasn't like really recommended. Like it didn't do good enough or you had to come back and get it every three years or, sh- or some yeah. shit like that. They have so many different variations now. There's, there's different ways you can physically get it done. Uh, they can do it on stigmatism and it is supposed to last longer than it used to, like a decade or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's just, I mean, it's like anybody else, man. It's funding. The insurance I have doesn't really cover it and I don't really have the money for it and yada, yada, yada. So. At the end of the day, I'd like to get LASIK sometime in the future. Uh, my eyes are, are well past the point of growing. My prescriptions haven't really changed too too much. Um, I'm going to stick it out, man. I'm going to muscle through this fucking contact ordeal. I'm going to wear them as long as I can. The last time that I did this, after my prescription ran out, I just didn't re-up. That's, just, yeah. that's all it was to it. Uh, that's probably what's going to happen this time unless I can just get better or muscle through it. And if all else fails, I'll just go back to wearing glasses, man. I'm, I'm, I'm 36 years old. It's not that big a deal. It is nice. Again, just having them in, I will give you that, but the hassle is making it, it's really making it a personal struggle of whether I want to continue to do it. Yeah. I don't blame you. So that's my whole, that, that is the end of time cast. I story for me today. Uh, let's see. No movies already said that. Nothing, nothing, nothing like life wise I can think of. Game wise, 
Uh, so last we left off in my world, <laughs> I was working on. Uh, I think I was working on Wild Arms two, and I just kind of, I think, just kind of fell off it. Of, yeah, yeah, I just kind of fell off of it again. Not a harsh way. I just, you know, just started to not really care about it. Uh, started going through my turmoil again of don't really know what to play. I picked up. Uh, I was still. I made a couple more levels into Shinobi for the PlayStation two because again, I've never beat that game, but I am enjoying it. it it's it's pretty good combat for a PlayStation two era game couple steam games here and there i did go back through the uh the uh, phantom uh i'm sorry the pharaoh rebirth game that's a steam game i've talked about a couple times metroidvania uh the metroid the vania part of it's kind of optional i uh, kind of went back through some of the levels now once i had pretty much all the upgrades for my character and got some things collected some things uh, beat the game and a couple new levels opened up so i went through those as well but again, I, I would have to go back into my Steam list and look and actually see how much I physically pay for this game. But I can tell you now, for a Metroidvania style game, it's definitely worth it. It's, it's, I've gotten, I've gotten play out of it. It was definitely not a regret. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a good game. I enjoyed it. Finished that, played Shinobi for a little bit. Uh, actually put a level or two into Doom 2016, which, I I was I was really hard. It doesn't take much for me to want to play Doom. All I gotta hear is some Killer Instinct music or anything by Mick <laughs> Gordon. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go play some Doom right fucking now. But I really think I'm holding off on running all the way through that game mentally uh, because of the Doom. Uh, I don't want to cheat. I don't feel like looking it up. There's a sequel coming out. I think it comes out December of this year, and I'm probably gonna go through Doom. Oh, Doom Eternal. I think is what it's gonna be called. Yeah. I'm planning on going through Doom at a higher difficulty, not not for a fucking dick waving contest, just because I'd like a little bit more difficulty in Doom. I I ran through the first one pretty much. I'd like to go through Doom one more time before that game comes out, so I may push that a little ways down the road. I put a couple levels into Doom, had a great time, and I was like, okay, I just not I just not feeling that. Again, that's the turmoil that I go through. It's not that I don't like a game; it's just eh, just not feeling it. Uh, I tried a couple of the random Steam games, a couple of the random uh, PlayStation 2 games. And as of right now, the game that I have settled on is Persona 4. Okay. So, for those that were here for the last episode, you can quote him. You, you remember Chris saying that he demanded that I play Persona 4 <laughs> so I could tell him how I feel about it. I believe his words were, go play this game, you dirty son of a bitch, so you can tell me if it's good or not. I think that was exact quote. So I did just that. I I don't even know what bug got up my ass. just randomly decided, mm-hmm. oh, sh- why not? If I don't like it, I can stop, and maybe I'll go try three and compare the two. So... Spoiler free, of course. There's no spoilers in here, not only for the audience, but for you as well. Um, I can tell you right now, the biggest takeaway, if if you are listening to this podcast right now, this is uh, episode 50-something, 54, 54 uh, August, two, August 2018, and you have not, have not played Persona 5, you need to go play that game, Okay. This is aside from Persona 5, from Persona 4. Persona 5 is a game you need to play. If you are a 
I mean, if you are a halfway interested RPG person, if you played Mass Effect and you liked the story aspect of Mass Effect, you will like Persona 5. It's going to give you a whole different type of RPG feel and a whole different story. If you are a RPG person, whether you're interested in JRPGs or not, if you like RPGs, you need to go play Persona 5. Okay, so that's for the not pers- not played Persona 5 people. If you are listening to this episode right now, and Persona 5 was the first, or maybe albeit like me, the only Persona you've ever played, that's good. That's glad you glad you played that one. If you go back and play Persona 4, you're gonna feel right at home. That is the biggest takeaway I've had so far in my probably five somewhere in the neighborhood of five to six hours uh a lot of things that i went through saw heard read uh the motions that i went through in persona 5 you're gonna get those i've been getting those in persona 4 now albeit this is this is two generations apart persona 5 is gonna be on i think persona 5 had a ps3 release i could Mm. be wrong no, I don't know. I don't think so. It might just well. It, if that's the case, gen- generally people are going to play it on the PS4. Period. But from PS4 to PS3, that that I'm aware of, there no, is no Persona. Both. There's yeah, there's no numbered Persona. <laughs> yeah, but I think Chris, I think you and me could agree that if the, Persona Five was not a graphic intensive game. You know, that were it's not something it was it was very high definition and it had a very stylized uh, format, but it wasn't trying to be ultra realistic. So to me, I would think playing it on the PlayStation three or the four, you're going to get a good experience. Agreed. Generally, people have played Persona five on PS five. That's, I mean, a PS4. That's, yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying for the console that does not exist yet. Uh, so yeah, you've got, you've got two generations between. You've got Persona 5 on PlayStation 4, you've got Persona 4 on PlayStation 2. So the graphics are going to be downgraded. It's not so much just that the graphics are downgraded, it's that the style is different. Um, the character designs in Persona 5 are very anime slash cartoonish, where the designs for characters in Persona 4 are slightly, it, it, they're, they're, they're anime, but they're like proportionate. They have bigger heads. It's a little bit bigger heads. That's about the only difference. It's hard, to, it's hard for me to distinguish, to explain the difference between the two. You really get a, when you see the characters moving and walking in Persona 5, you definitely get an anime cartoon feel. In Persona 4, it's more like video game characters. You know, they look they look video gamey. Best way I can put it. But everything, including the characters around that, it's all Persona. It's all the Persona that you're going to know from Persona 5. They have catchy music all over the place, which, Chris, you know, I'm, I'm big on music. Yeah. There's every other track, almost every track in, in, in Persona 5, I have, I loved. I, all of them were catchy. All of them were upbeat. All of them fit thematically. And I love the music in Persona 5. I'm got, same way in Persona 4. It's all, it all has that catchiness to it. It's all that pseudo slight pop, but, laid back mellow music the music fits 
the way the menus and the battles, the the battle menus and the in gaming, all the menu layouts, while they look different, they feel like what you remember from Persona Five. They have that layout, that that stylistic look to them. Uh, the ways that you get weapons, the way that you uh, buy items, the way you traverse towns and talk to people, social links, uh, acquiring personas, the way your battle works, the way that you do have like a just all out attack if you want to just you know put the controller down, let the let the fights happen on their own. So much of Persona feels like Persona Five, and to me, that's that's a big plus so far. It's a big, big plus. Yeah. Because I've heard from people again, you should always play your own games and get your own opinions. This is another example of that. But I've heard a lot of people say that you know, obviously, you duh, it's two generations back, but Persona Five is is a step down for Persona Four, and it takes a while to get used to. For me. So far, it really hasn't. Again, it's it, every a lot of these things are different, but they're more like this. the The style is different. The idea for them are still pretty much the same. Uh, the one thing that I haven't really got into yet because I am in the first dungeon slash pal what we know as palaces, mm-hmm. and I haven't beat it yet. I haven't gone out of it too much, and I haven't gone to the Velvet Room. I don't even think I went to the Velvet Room yet. So the uh, getting, I think a, a complaint I've heard of, or a big difference between Persona 4 and Persona 5, Persona 5 made an upgrade in regards to your Persona's actually learning skills. Apparently it makes it really easy. And Persona 4, it's more like you have to, I mean, I'm, I'm talking out of my ass and I haven't done it. But it's I, I've heard it's more like you have to merge personas and you kind of have to hope that the abilities transfer over. It just it's it seems like from what I've heard, the skills and acquiring skills systems in Persona 4 is a little bit more cumbersome. I don't know. Haven't had to deal with that yet. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So what can I talk how, about? How are you playing? Are you playing it on PS3? I'm playing it on the PS2. Oh, OK. Wink, wink. Ah, gotcha. S- okay. SX2. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so I just yeah, looked it I up mean, and it's... I actually have where you can uh, download it for. Wait. The thing yeah, I there's saw a, said PS3. There's a, there's a Persona 4 Golden, uh-huh. which I believe is a, is a HD or a upgraded version for the PlayStation 3. I don't have that one. I'm just playing the old, good old PlayStation 2 version. Um, I'm trying to think of specific things I can talk about, but it, the, it's, that's the biggest takeaway that I wanted to explain to you and as, and the audience as a whole as well, is that from the start of the game, like that was the main feeling I had in my, in my mind and in my heart, the first couple hours of playing this game is like a lot of this is familiar. You know, a lot of this, I I remember doing stuff like this or pretty much close to this or exactly like this in Persona 5. It's not a weird, way out there departure, which I thought that's what Persona 5 was. Again, having no knowledge of the series, I thought Persona 5 was such an outlier. No, apparently this is how Persona games are. Now, that could be just that these are how Persona games are because there are... Shin Megami Tensei games like Digital Devil Saga. Never played any of those, but maybe I'll try them out. Um, 
I'm having a good time so far. Uh, it's 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 just so much of it feels at home. I mean, it's almost almost the first bit of this game is almost beat for beat like Persona. Uh, for you and for anybody else that decides to take me up on this offer of hey, go play it and see for yourself, you'll understand what I mean. Especially coming for Persona Five, it's yeah. Without spoiling things, as events come up or as things happen or as you learn how to do things, you're like, yes, this is pretty much how Persona Five was. And it is, but it's a different. It's a whole. It's another story. It's a whole different story. Apparently, so, there are. Uh, there's some talk about there being a remaster on PS4 coming. Uh, Persona Four. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I will say this: uh, if this game continues to keep my interest, oh, this is another good thing about it, and this is very specific to me and you. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, maybe if somebody else is going through this right now, cool. But Chris and I both have been tossing up the idea of just going back through Persona Five anyway because it's just that good. I would. I'm totally down for putting another two or three hundred hours into that game, no problem, because it's that fun. I'm getting that fix now through Persona Four, so I'm not seeing the same exact thing, but I'm almost getting the exact same feel. And that's that's good for me, you know. And if Persona Four continues to carry my interest, because you know me, I could fucking lose interest in an RPG tomorrow and go want to play fucking Mario Party. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But if this game keeps my interest and I go all the way through, maybe not immediately, but I do foresee myself at least going back and trying Persona Two, uh, Three. I don't know about Two and One. I those may be like way way off and way different, but. Yeah, yeah, I'll be willing to give three a try, you know. But yeah, it's it's really hard to go into specifics because I don't want to spoil anything, especially for Chris. Uh, and I mean, it is this, this is kind of like Breath of the Wild. There are so many experiences in that game. I don't want to ruin them for anything. Just again, for the fifth time, just to beat a dead horse. If you've played Persona Five and you've never played Persona Four. It'll do you good to go back and play it, and you'll feel you're gonna feel right at home. That's that's the big feeling, the big takeaway feeling. It's like, man, all this is so, it's so familiar. It's a, it's a little bit of a step down, yeah. It's a little bit of a change because you know the controls are maybe a little different. Not even that. A lot of the controls, like the battle menu, yeah, it's it's almost the same. You know, laid out a little different, but it's all there. There are there are uh, a lot of allowances that Persona Five had that Persona Four doesn't. Like the ability to just have your extra character tell you, okay, this thing is weak to this. You just press this button and I'll swap in that that persona or that character right now. You know, those things are missing. But you can still analyze an enemy and it will still tell you, yeah, this enemy, remember you fought them, they're weak to fire. And you can go switch in your persona that has fire ability and then use fire and then bam, it's weak and it gets knocked down. And then you attack it again. Like, stuff like that. There's a couple extra steps in there, but it's all there. It's, it's mostly all there. And I'm enjoying it. The story itself, uh, way different story than Persona 5 so far, which is good. You know, you want that. This one so far is more like... I don't know... If, per, refresh my memory, Chris. Did, mm-hmm. Was Persona 5 a murder mystery at the beginning, or was it just, I think, I think with Kamoshida, it was just bad shit was happening. I don't yeah. think Kamoshida had killed anybody. I think there was just like, hey, we think people are getting abused and we think he's mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. This one kicks the door open with murder mystery. 
And then more shit piles on top of it. More murder mystery stuff piles on top of it. And then the persona stuff gets involved and all that and all that. So <coughs> if you like murder mysteries and you like Persona 5, this is going to be up your alley. That's pretty much been the main... That's been the main game I've been playing. The really the only game I've I've been playing for the past few days. I try to sprinkle in some other games here and there. Like I'll I'll try to play a little bit of Shinobi here and there. I'll try to play a couple random levels of a random uh uh Steam game. But my predominantly my time has been taken up by Persona Four, and so far it's doing good. It's doing good. I think that's it for my week, Chris. All right. I hope you've had a week, man, because we want to hear about it. Yeah. Um, I, too, have had some long work days, but I am finally think I'm over that hump. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least until I have to go out of town for work at some point. But uh, who knows when that's going to happen. Uh, we had dates, and then they were pushed back. So we'll see. Um, I got a, uh, a variety of games this week, you know, changing it up. Mm-hmm. Uh so I'm going to start out with uh, Destiny 2. Okay. Uh, so I'm trying to think of what I... So last week when we recorded, I hadn't done anything with the Solstice yet, I don't think. Or I started it, uh, but I didn't know what all was a part of it. Um, I'm now most of the way through the Solstice armor with my Hunter. Um, I was talking about how I was going to do stuff on all three characters it's only the solstice armor it's not the triumph there's nothing triumph mm-hmm. related for them uh other than to do solstice on all three so it's not yeah. as bad as i thought um and the solstice armor isn't terrible um it wasn't really difficult to do uh there were some time consuming parts and some parts that really were really grindy uh, mm-hmm. like not good grindy but I managed to power through, you know, trying to do other things at the same time to make it not as bad. Because uh, you have to, with the first tier of the armor, it's mostly about uh, gathering orbs of certain elements. And to get that element, you have to be, uh, you basically use the so the class that matches, or mm-hmm. the sub uh, class, which isn't a big deal. Uh but then there are ones where it was like, get them in strikes. And I was having very, very bad luck uh, getting them in strikes. Um, not sure why. It didn't make sense, really, because if you're using the subclass, that's just supposed to flat out give it to you um, in general. Uh, but then if you're using a secondary or heavy that has the element you have a even better chance of getting it uh, with that weapon. Um, I didn't know at first that using your primary weapon, which doesn't have elements uh, in Destiny 2, that actually will give you the element of your subclass. So um, I had avoided using my primary for hours, um, <laughs> and that may have been what helped me out. But I don't know. It. I don't think it made that much of a difference. I wasn't really killing that much slower. Um, I just don't know if there's something related to the weapons themselves. Um, whether or not, you know, my assault rifle, something about it made it lower odds or whatever than a scout rifle. Um, I did a lot of scout rifles too on some of the other stuff. Uh, the going through things under leveled was really rough. Uh, 
I so I talked about how difficult the missions were for that first tier because of how underleveled I was. Mm-hmm. The the second tier has harder versions of the levels, and they were even worse. Um, but oh, I pushed yeah. through those. They they were war- they, I won't say they're worse. They were probably just as bad. Um, but I pushed through those, and then once you get past those missions, it's really not a whole lot to it um, when it's all said and done. So I have the uh, 400 power level of it, the third tier of it now. Um, and I've got one piece masterworked, uh, which these have certain, these have harder uh, things to do, but it's not really that difficult, uh, even though they're harder. Um, because like one of the pieces is to do the two uh, layer, layer raids, raid layers. Raid layers, I think that's right. Um, which I need to do anyway for a triumph. So I'm going to do them and I'll have this. Uh, there's one for doing the raid, I think. Or that just might be the triumph. Uh, there's one for doing strikes with a clan member, and I'm trying to coordinate that with my uh, clan, clan I'm a member of. Uh, maybe do tonight or tomorrow. So they're not difficult things to do, it just take some coordination and most of them actually take other people. Um, which is what it is. It's a multiplayer game, you know, essentially an MMO, so you shouldn't be surprised. But it is what it is. Um, something that... So Iron Banners this week, and I didn't know that until I loaded it up earlier. Um, or when I went, I loaded the subreddit up to see uh, stuff about the daily or weekly resets. And I saw a thread about Iron Banner, and I was like, oh, it's Iron Banner. Load it up. Yep, sure enough. Um, this Iron Banner, they are doing some mechanic changes uh, to Iron Banner um, and things that are going to be changing. I, I don't know how widespread across PvP, but like Iron Banner 6v6, which isn't anything new. They kind of did that before um, where the normal game modes are 4v4 now. Iron Banner 6v6, nothing new. But they are supposed to delay, I think, going back to 6v6 in certain mm-hmm. game modes or maybe just in the uh, casual game uh, playlist. Um, but one, the it's control, which I think Iron Banner is always going to be control now. Or this one is because they're testing new control mechanics. Now, mm-hmm. normally in control... There are three uh, zones you can capture. Uh, as you, the more zones you control, the more points you get for your kills. Yeah, yeah. If you control all three zones, you get what's called a power play, which is you know the most points you can get. You control all three. Yeah, cool beans. Uh, what they changed now is that if a team controls all three, the zones are locked meaning nobody can recapture them. Oh. They're locked for, I want to say, 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. So for those 20 seconds, the team that got the power play is going to get, I believe it's triple points uh, for every kill, mm-hmm. while the other team is forced at, you know, single points. Mm-hmm. And then after the power play ends, all zones reset. Um, hmm. I... When I read about this, I didn't think I would have any issue with it, and I don't know if I do still. Um, 
my thing is based on what I was reading, I have to go back and read patch notes because of course I didn't. Um, but I think they did some matchmaking changes before. Um, and it seemed to be working well, but I think they might've done something this week that made it screwy again. Um, I need to go back and, you know, actually look at my record for today. Uh, but I probably played 10 to 15 games of Iron Banner, uh, Mm -hmm. while I was waiting on you. And I think I lost every single one of them. Hmm. Now I'm, I'm not the best PVP player, you know, but. Every single game, I'm pretty sure every single game, uh, at least I looked at the thing on, I had over 1.0 KD as often top of my team. So something's not right there. You know, I don't expect to win. I, if I go back to my stats, I have almost literally a 50% win-loss rate. I am almost perfectly balanced on wins versus losses. And Hmm. uh, my overall KD is like, 1.3 1.3 to 1.5, depending on the game mode. Which, I'm not a terrible player. You know, I'm not the best, but I'm not terrible. Um, and, and that's... KD is around 1.3. KDA is like 1.6 or something. I get a lot of team kills. Um, mm-hmm. Just for those that are going to go, oh, it's not really KD anymore. Because they add in assists, but whatever. I don't care. I like team aspect, team focus. Yeah. It's a team yeah. game, you know. Anyway, um but I don't know. It just and by the time, you know, your timing was great by the way with hopping on Discord. Uh, mm-hmm. as soon as I saw your name pop up, I was flying into the match so I couldn't back out mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh and I to this day right. never left willingly uh match in Crucible. Destiny 1 or Destiny yeah. 2. Um, if I start a match, I'm going to finish it. I can't stand quitters. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's kind of funny with the matchmaking too, because I had a game that was like 4v4. So there just weren't enough people or something, or the matchmaking mm. couldn't find, you know, enough people at the same level. But it was, it was a mess. Um, and by the time I was that last game, I, I was like, all right, this is the last one. I have no motivation, you know. It's just... yeah. And I'm not even doing it for anything right now. Uh, I can get five more ranks with Iron Banner. I think it's three now. I think I got two uh, earlier. But like three more ranks and I get the ship, which is the highest reward you can get from it. It doesn't even do anything. Um, And I was really only doing it for the milestone. And then I discover something else. So apparently milestones cap at 380 on the powerful Ingrams, which that's mm-hmm. how most people hit max level, max light level. Uh, I don't know if it's just because we're kind of in an interim before the next expansion um, or what, but I got this Solstice armor. They're at 400, um, actually 405 because of whatever I did uh, up in the four. Oh, yeah, they're 400, and you can add the mods because they don't come with the mods. Um, mm-hmm. But they're at 405, technically. So my light level is at 396. I'm very close at max to max level. I go complete milestones, and they all drop at 380. Huh. So it's like, can I literally not cap <laughs> level without doing the raid now? 
did they do this for the first time in the history of Destiny, force people to do the raid? Because um, in D1, it was Iron Banner would help boost you. In this one, Powerful Ingrams were supposed to help boost you to the max. Now you can't do that? So I'm... It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not happy about it. Uh, realistically, when I get around to finally doing the raid and raid layers, I'm probably going to cap out in one day. Because um, I only need three weapon drops to hit max level, and that's not much. Um, yeah. I imagine the raid, I want to say, has like five plus drops. Raid layers do as well. So if I have 15 chances, or even if I have 10 chances of getting drops, odds are I'm going to get enough to hit max level uh, when going through it. So I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling really not motivated right now with the milestone thing. Because it's like, all right, Iron Banner, I've, I'm pretty much done for this season. You know, until they reset mm-hmm. the season uh, end of the month when the DLC comes out. Or year two starts, I should say. Um, but that's okay. Because I can still do it to knock out my PvP milestone. Did that. Didn't get a reward for it, essentially. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, so what's my motivation here? I have the Moments of Triumph still to do. And the... Uh, Solstice Armor to finish maxing out. Okay. And I have to finish the... Uh, there's a set of weapons there's a quest line for. Um, and they're part of the Triumph. Which is one of those things. It uh, you could, Apparently you can only do three a week. Didn't know that. So mm-hmm. when I realized that last week, I was like right at that cusp of it literally not being possible for me to do before the DLC drops. So... I have, I have a fair amount of stuff to do, um, aside from the raids and stuff. I have to go around and collect these uh, data points. Um, I have to do a bunch of strikes, so I have stuff to do. But I'm feeling very, very unmotivated to hmm. do any of it. Um, That's not good. Nope, and it's killing me because, like I've said before, I've done every year of triumph thing. Um, Destiny 1, year 1, 2, and 3, I capped all of them, got all the rewards and stuff. I don't want this to be the first one I don't do, but it's finding really yeah. hard to get motivation. Man, I feel you, man. And it's the same way with me. It depends. It just it depends on the game, but uh, it, it could be the talk of the town, but I'll just quit because I just, I just lose motivation. I just lose interest. Yeah. And... A lot of a lot of reasons could lead up to it. It's usually a multitude of factors. It's rarely just yeah, I'm just bored with it. It's usually you know actual reasons. But mm-hmm. I feel you, man. Yeah. If uh, I can, I just remembered something else too. I'm so okay. sorry. There was actually another game in my week that I also played, and I completely forgot to mention. I've done this before. Apparently, I'm gonna do this every week. But uh, so. I said that I played uh, Wild Arms 2, kind of got bored with it. Another game that I did try immediately after was Wild Arms 3 for the PlayStation 2. Uh, And that's because I've heard tell that while, you know, Wild Arms has sequels, they're not exactly sequential. They have, like, spiritual things in them that are the same. So I figured out what the hell. You know, maybe Wild Arms 3 is better. Uh, Maybe it'll offer me a different experience. And I made it through the all the intros. It actually has four characters you start with in this one instead of three. So that was different. 
uh, good difference, more content. And then your four characters, you know, come together and there's a mission to go off on. Uh, the story does seem interesting. The game seems pretty, pretty good. But I just got a random hair in my butt to go play Persona 4 and that captured me. So, um, a lot of the, there were a lot of carryovers from Wild Arms 2 to Wild Arms 3, like battle mechanics how it handles items and stuff like that. And I did discover something that I may have to go back to Wild Arms 2 just to confirm. I could just look it up. But apparently one of the one of the gripes I had about Wild Arms 2 was no item descriptions. I couldn't find item or magic descriptions. I just couldn't find descriptions. Right. It's like how can you how can you have a game like this? Like how can I how am I supposed to just am I just supposed to guess that oh that's a fire spell. Apparently in some weird way if you hold down a certain button, like I believe it's the square button over an item or a spell, it will, the description will pop up and then you can scroll through whatever and it'll, the, you'll see the description. So I did figure that out. That was pretty cool, but a little weird to not have that just, you know, automatic. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's one very small, like minor thing. The, Wild Arms 3, a little bit better. Obviously, it's a generation up from PlayStation 1. It has a cell-shaded style graphics uh, system. It's got an interesting story. I'll give you that. Uh, one thing that I remember from Wild Arms 1, I don't know. I feel so bad for this because I don't exactly know if this is my mind playing tricks on me or maybe I just didn't understand it all but I vaguely remember Wild Arms 2's Wild Arms story going kind of crazy like really going to like out there aliens and gods and like I don't really remember the story of Wild Arms I'll admit that right now but that was I wasn't necessarily getting that vibe from Wild Arms 2, but some of the stuff was, some of the story in Wild Arms 2 was kind of sort of swaying to the, I'm not, it's hard for me to say I'm not really getting it because I, I know it makes me feel like such a dumbass, but I, I just wasn't really vibing with the way the story was going. Mm -hmm. And I haven't noticed that with Wild Arms 3. Wild, Arm, Wild Arms 3's story so far for the first, I don't know, four hours-ish uh, seems pretty straightforward. All three of the, all four of the intro characters have their own story, their own motivation, and they, they, they go through explaining what these, why these characters are here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then when the story combines, kind of get a, kind of sort of get a good combination story and it carries on i don't see anything weird and wild and like so phantasmal yet i'm hoping it won't be but again right unfortunately for wild arms 2 and 3 right now i've just i have another game that's pressing and depending on how long it takes me to go through persona 5 it's probably going to bleed into the beginning of september and then the beginning of september is spider-man uh, for the PlayStation 4. So sure. it may be some time before I get back those two. Just kind of want to mention that, yeah, I did play those. I don't dislike either one of those two. Like, I would I would say just to get your own feel, there's definitely a good reason to go through Wild Arms 2 and 3 for your own 
personal benefit. I think there are a total of six wild arms. There's five numbered, and then there's an Alter F, which is basically a remake of the first one. Okay. And I think there's like a PSP kind of game, but uh, like a tactics kind of game, but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. So maybe in the future I'll go through four and five as well. I don't know. It's 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 up in the air. We'll see. Right now it's all Persona Four. Sorry, Chris. Just wanted to make sure I got that uh, get that game mention out there. It is all good. Um. So after after I think it was Sunday, I was playing D two and got a little uh a little burned out on destiny 2 and i was uh i can't remember what particularly on destiny 2 i was doing but i just it was one of those moments where i was like all right i'm done for the night um but it wasn't quite bedtime yet so i needed something else to do so i looked at my steam library um there were a few games i bought on the steam still steam sale i can speak i swear uh you got it yeah eventually um and I was like, all right, I'll go, you know, check out a couple of them or one of them, whatever. Uh, the first one I picked up is a game called Guild of Dungeoneering. Okay. Now, the premise that kind of got me on this one, the reason I uh, snatched it up other than it was dirt cheap, I'm sure, because uh, 15 bucks not on sale. I think I got it for like eight or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the premise that got me on this is it says it's a turn-based dungeon crawler where you build the dungeon around the hero. Um, okay. Now, it's slightly misleading um, because you do control the hero. You don't control where they go in the dungeon you build around them, but once you're in combat and stuff, you control it. Um, and the way combat works is it's actually a card-based turn-based system. Um, Mm -hmm. Your class determines which cards are in your deck and you draw a default amount of three cards. Of course, there's a way to have more or less cards, but your default, you draw three cards and then when it's your turn, or excuse me, every round, you pick a card and that's what you do for that. You know, so you attack and it tells you this card just straight up does one damage. No other effects. It's your basic one damage attack. Um, okay. This card does an attack and blocks a melee attack. This card, you know, blocks a, a magic attack. And depending on their classes, and the premise is kind of, you know, this is off the D&D vibe for me. That's why I bought it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are classes. Cool. And those determine the type. Um, I have... There are classes in the game that are really good, both offensively and defensively with melee attacks. So the first time I got a magic opponent, I was like, oh, I can't block anything now. (laughs) That's not cool. Um, Mm -hmm. In these little dungeons you build around your characters, there are items uh, you can get to equip. And those will give you either a small uh, positive boost or a decent positive boost, but also a negative effect like uh there are cards that essentially lower your intelligence while giving you something else uh, equipment that lower your intelligence while giving you something else uh 
so I may get these, you know, two cards that are pretty good attack uh, cards or combat cards, I should say, because some of them are good because they're offensive, some are good because they're defensive, but they're good cards to use. Um, but the third one is basically Herp Derp, and you do nothing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So if you have a lot of those in your deck, if you have one, you just ignore that, and you basically play with a two-card draw. Uh, if you have multiples, you can have a turn where you have two or three Herp Derps, and you're, you got to decide, you know, do I Herp Derp, or do I use my one card and hope, you know, I don't need it next turn and get something good to replace it. It's it's interesting. Um, I played it for two hours. Uh, don't have a burning desire to go back to it. Um, mm-hmm. the The premise is okay. Uh, the I think the balance is a little rough because, as far as I can tell, you can't go back and play a previous dungeon. Um, so even though you build a dungeon around your character, you still have an objective. Um, the basic ones are, you know, kill X amount of creatures. Okay, no problem. Uh, and you, when, I, when it talks about building the dungeon, you put down, uh, you have a, uh, what, what should I say? A, a bank of points, a quota of uh, points, you, and cards cost points to play uh, mm-hmm. on the map for the building the dungeon each uh essentially each turn uh, on the dungeon map. Um, so say you have five points, you know, you can put down, uh, or you have three points, you can put down three cards, or you can put down a terrain card, a monster, and loot. You know, you could do one of each. Gotcha. Um, if you already have the terrain tile there, you just drop your monster and loot, and you're done. You don't have to place... You technically don't have to place anything on a turn. Um, mm-hmm. so, but because you have these objectives, like I said, the first ones are typically in an area, just kill things. Uh, but then the second and or third one, based on what I've seen so far, are kill the boss. Okay. But if I, and I'm unlocking new classes as this goes, um, your mm-hmm. heroes level up. The equipment you get in a dungeon is gone afterwards. You don't carry that over. So it's, and that's not necessarily a bad thing um, because your levels are, a level gives you one more uh, heart, which your health is defined in hearts uh, by, I think you start with five or four, five. Yeah, five. Um, So each level gives you a heart, which is really good uh, in this type of game. Uh, The big thing for me is that every time I unlock a class, I wanted to play it, you know, try it out. Yeah. So I was like, all right, if I can't replay the dungeons, I'll play the new areas I unlocked by beating the previous dungeon because I think I beat the first one and you unlock like three more or something like that. I was like, okay, I'll just play the first level of each one. Um, No problem on the first one. But then I ended up, my next two runs, my characters died. Um, So I'm like, all right. It's not it's not really balanced well for changing classes. I think it kind of wants you to pick one and go with it, but that's completely counter to the way you uh, build essentially your guild hall. Um, yeah. Because the game's title is Guild of Dungeoneering, and that's what uh, your, that's your guild. Um, 
and you're building up your guild hall, you unlock a class, you add a building to your guild hall, and that unlocks the class for you. Um, mm-hmm. There are other ones you can add that unlock more loot drops, higher tier loot drops. Um, there are ones that, I'm trying to think, they, they unlock something else. I don't even remember. Uh, I want to say abilities. I don't remember. The big ones were the drops and the classes. The classes are what I focused on. Um, there's a trophy room that you get when you beat the first boss. Uh, so that was kind of cool. I will say the the music part of this game was very amusing because um, they actually have so? they have uh, the music in general. I can't really. It's kind of a uh, you know D and D taverny type music, background music, I think. But mm-hmm. when you get to any sort of quote unquote cutscene, which is basically just a block of text, you don't just have the text and whatever pictures next to it. You actually have essentially a bard strumming along, reading out the text uh, <laughs> in sort of song form. Uh, nice, and nice. It was a really good touch, and it was really amusing because you read these things, and you know there's a a play on words or a uh, uh, like I don't, I don't even know like an insult to the. Uh, player slash character in game uh, mm-hmm. and the tone of the you know bard singing matches that uh, and it'll it's like it'll trail off it's like oh you know that type of trailing off uh, with the words it's like and he was an idiot oh you know and uh, it, it's just amusing um, really well done on that part uh, but the, like I said, the gameplay feels a little bit off balance. Um, so I only gave it a couple hours before I decided to move on to something else. Yeah. Um, the next game I tried is called Another Brick in the Mall. Another Brick in the Mall. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now, surprise, surprise, this is a simulation game. Um, you, you play as a brick and you're simulating life as a brick. That'd be very boring. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see how someone, uh, how someone. <laughs> uh, hold actually, on, man. Hold on, man. I got, I got to log in real quick and check. Hold on, I got to check my status real quick. Make, come on, loading screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah. No, all right, all right. Yeah, I'm still a brick. Yeah, yeah. I, no, no, I didn't move at all. No, I don't know. Shit, it's I got like raining. seven thousand. <laughs> I got like 7,000 points, though. Fuck yeah. What? For not moving, of course. Duh. All right, I'm good. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, anyway, yeah. So the premise of this game is you are managing a mall. Um, you start out with X amount of money. You build. It kind of gives you a little tutorial thing, you know, first to, hey, build this, build this. Okay, go at it, you know. It lets you set up your first little store, um, shows you how to stock things, you know, what you need to stock it and how to connect rooms and whatnot. Um, and you kind of go from there. Um, so I've put uh, a few hours into this. I'm going to actually pull it up. Uh, I put, according to this, seven hours. I don't think that's accurate, though. Um, 
I think I had one instance where I was doing something else while I was running for a bit. So I'd say mm-hmm. I have probably five hours in it. Uh, it it feels like once you reach a certain point, there's not much reason to keep playing. Um, yeah. As with most simulation games, you have an end point, and end uh, not really. It doesn't end. You know, that's not how simulation games typically work. But yeah, you have they, a they point just, where, yeah, you've accomplished your objective. You know, your main goal may be, you know, in a uh, SimCity type game, get a certain population. You know, maybe fill the map, uh, something like that. Which on the earlier SimCities wouldn't happen, but on like the latest one, it had a really small map, so it was you know something achievable. In um, this. You're managing a mall, and you can build different types of stores. You have uh, your basically what you start out with is you're building a convenience store. You know, you sell snacks and cookies and uh, soda and cigarettes and all this stuff. You know, not cigarettes starting out because you have to research it, but um, and unlock it. But you have these items you sell. You hire your staff to run your registers and. You hire your stalkers to keep things stocked, uh, janitors, etc. You know, the whole kit and caboodle of staff, yeah. uh, which is fine. I haven't had any issues with that. Um, you pick the hours. Your store is open. The hours people work. Um, so you can do things in shifts. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it's pretty fun overall. But once my first store kind of got to the... Uh, I mean, I kind of, I kind of bowled my way through the research. Um, mm-hmm. I hired four office workers and put them to working 12 hours a day. Um, mm-hmm. so it cut heavily into my profit, uh, every day, but I went to the research really fast and I'm actually done with the research for everything I can research now. Um, nice. so I don't have any, which is, yeah, it's good in that sense. That I don't have anything to worry about unlocking. Um, so it takes away goals. Yeah. So I did that and I'm like, all right, I can expand my store and start selling more stuff. So I do that and I have, you know, a rack for every item I can sell now in my store. Uh, you know, my store now contains things like clothes and tools and electronics now and jewelry. It's, it's great. Um, I'm making really good money. My profits like 10,000 a day plus. Um, which at the, it, it kind of jumped because I was like, all right, I'm making 200 a day. I'm doing good. All right. 500. All right. A thousand. All right. And then I kind of had this, I completed some objectives in the game. There are these little goals it gives you, you know, like have X amount of customers at once or sell this many products or have this much total sales over the lifetime of the store. Anytime you complete one of the go, one of those, it gives you money. Um, I don't know if the earlier ones were five thousand, but they're all ten thousand uh, dollars right now for me. Mm-hmm. So I got a few of those, so I was able to expand my store. I expanded, added the other racks. Well, now I can meet pretty much all the demand um, for bait for the items. So my profit jumped up several thousand. Um, and it helped that I cut, I fired to my office workers. Um, but the uh, the single store 
now makes a ton of money. It's like, all right, well, there are more things to a mall than, you know, your typical store. Um, and the quote-unquote ideal way to play the game is to actually set up in some form or another, basically sub-stores, um, or specialty stores, I should say, like having a clothing store. If you have a store a store that sells uh, only clothing, then it upgrades the tier of clothing. Um, if you basically the, there's three tiers to I, to most items, I will say. Uh, I don't know if it's all. I know it's not all actually, but I don't know how many it is. But essentially, you unlock tier two of that item if the store is 50% or more that type of item, like. Uh, there are tiers of liquor. If liquor is in a beverage store, meaning you can sell water, soda, everything else with it, you know, milk, juice, then you get tier two. Well, to get tier three, you have to sell 50% or more of that item. So I set up a liquor store. I have four shelves of uh, liquor, one shelf of beer or fridge of beer, uh, and a shelf of wine. You know, so it's a alcoholic's paradise. Um, and it wasn't worth it at all. Uh, mm. There's not enough. So I did that because there was a high demand for liquor. Um, there's a whole finance demand system in the game. Uh, I checked the demands. Liquor was the number one demanded item. I was met, I was meeting the tier one goal and even most of the tier two with my normal store just because I had it in there. Um, the tier three had a fairly high demand. So I built this store off to the side, but because of having to hire the employees to run it, excuse me, I got the hiccups. Um, because I have to pay the employees to run it. I'm, I was actually running in the red for a bit. Even Those though darn I, employees, man. Yeah. Um, even though I was, meeting demand. I wasn't even meeting demand. That's the thing. It's like I have these stores selling the stuff, but nobody's coming in here to buy it. Um, and sure, part of it was because it wasn't 24 hours. You know, you're going to miss some of the demand. I understand that. But I'm hitting peak hours. Um, I eventually got to the point where my lines were too long at my register, so I had to add a second register. So I had two people. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so I met more of the demand. But... Basically, not enough to make it worth it. My other store is sitting there making, you know, six thousand dollars profit a day, while the liquor store is like a hundred and fifty dollars a day. When it's all said and mm. done, after bills, you know, yeah, it's like it, it does. It's not worth it at all. Um, it. I'm actually. I'm gonna check and see if this is a. Uh, it is early access. Okay, it certainly huh, feels like topical. It. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want. I I actually forgot to double check that. Um, Guild of Dungeoneering's not. Uh, this game is, uh, but it was also on on sale. It's thirteen dollars, not on sale. I think I got it for five or six. So, um, I feel yeah. like a lot. There there are a ton of games out there right now, Steam related mainly, that will fit the bill for your simulation need. Like I remember, uh, yeah. the the there's like there's a couple cooking games right now that everybody's talking about, and they all sort of arcadey or not, they all do kind of dwindle down to real life shit. 
You know, like if you're going to have this restaurant, if you're going to have this mall, it's going to have these real life things you have to think about. So, I mean, hard to say. Like, do you think it's worth the money so far? Um, Right now, not a full price, no. Um, It's it's interesting if you just want to sandbox it, which you can totally do. There's an option, I guess, because this is early access. Uh, I don't know how it's going to be long term. But when you start the game, it says, okay, how much money do you want to start with? You know, do you want to disable certain things? Like, do you want to disable shoplifting and stuff like that? With shoplifting, I don't know how much it actually impacted me. Uh, There's a chart. There are a bunch of charts in the game, like, you know, your income and stuff. And there's one that shows theft. My theft wasn't ridiculous, but I hired a guard and put up some detectors at the door of my main store. It lowered a little bit. I didn't see any difference in income. Um, not sure how much of a difference it makes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, considering it's early access, you know, I'll see how it evolves over time. Uh, but like, yeah, I put in a restaurant, a fast food joint uh, next to my store when people started complaining about being hungry. Okay, cool. That's, but then people are still complaining but not going there. So I guess they want an actual restaurant. <laughs> but... I don't want to spend the money to build this because the money to actually add on to the building is ridiculous. Like for a decent size, it's going to be like twenty, thirty thousand dollars, which wow. is, is I mean, it's reality. It's not unrealistic. Yeah. But the amount of income you have to have to do that, it. I'm just now to the point where I can go. Okay, I'm going to do this. You know. Yeah. But it's just not balanced well um, when it comes down to it. I had. I spent all of my money and even took out a loan to build a bowling alley. I was like, all right, there's a demand for bowling. Um, it just looks, I unlocked it. It looked interesting. So I was like, okay, I'm going to build a bowling alley. So I built it. One lane, one bowling lane costs <laughs> 8000 Wow. So you like, built a bowling lane with one lane. Yeah, I, I absolutely did. <laughs> absolutely did. I hired my person to work it. You know, they make roughly, it depends, you know, how many hours you work them. But I had it open for a while, for like 12 hours. So the poor lady made like 90 bucks a day. Um, wow. And then there's another, all in all to run it, I think it cost me like 120 250 at the peak to run it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I made like 20 bucks. So I was negative over 100 on it. I'm like, okay, you know, fair enough. I only have one lane. Hours are going to suck. It's fine. Not a big deal. Um, so I basically closed the bowling alley until I could afford to expand. And I added a second lane like, and a, a third lane, actually, because I got uh, some bonus cash. I'm like, all right, I got three lanes now. I'm going to open it up. All right. I'm uh, then up to negative 20 profit a day. With it being open 12 hours a day, um, because only one person can use a lane at a time. So yeah. once you have three people in there and they bowl for like three hours, mad. <laughs> so, okay. So, you know, it, it didn't, they didn't pay very much, but it's costing me almost. I want to actually look at the prices. I'm tempted to load the game up and look at it. I wonder if the cost of maintaining the bowling lane, because equipment has maintenance costs. Uh, like an ATM has a dollar 
a day fee of maintenance to run. Um, uh, self-checkouts cost $10 a day to run. Uh, stuff like that. I think, yeah. I want to say the bowling lanes are probably, they're probably only one, but I think there might be $10 a day to manage. So if this one guy is bowling for three hours and he paid 20 bucks, then, you know, I'm, and he's like one of two customers I get, it's barely covering the uh, lane maintenance. Yeah. So it, it needs a lot of balancing. Um, those things should make you more, even if they're on realistic, realistic numbers, um, or the maintenance cost should go down, something like that to help balance it out. Uh, I think that people get paid okay. It's just the fact that not enough customers to make it worth paying them. Uh, did did they have an option to do an arcade? Oh yeah, I actually set one up because uh, those nice. it's like a dollar per arcade machine maintenance or even if it's ten dollars I don't care. But mm-hmm. I put them. I originally had like one or two. I put one in the bowling alley just to so it show up on the underneath the bowling alley's profit. <laughs> <laughs> People could go in and play it, but they only play when the place is open. So uh. Uh, when I expanded my store, like I was talking about, I. I added upgraded storage. I built an area just for storage uh, that was bigger. Because the original one has you build it start, or I don't even think it tells you how big to build it. I just built a room with what I could afford, you know. Um, Yeah. And it did its purpose. But with me expanding the shelves, I needed more storage, so I built a bigger room. And I turned the old storage room into an arcade room, and I put, like, ten machines in there. Uh I don't think I can even track how much it's making me because it falls outside of a store. Um, so I'd have to do math with what I profit off the stores and then subtract it from my daily profit. But people go in there all the time. Uh, and it's funny because as as the NPCs, as they get upset for being in line or something, their faces turn red, you know, and then they eventually storm off and leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will be playing in the arcade and their faces will go red from getting annoyed <laughs> at playing whatever they're playing. <laughs> Uh, so it's great. There, there's so many small good things about the game. Uh, and the fact that it's an early access kind of saves it. It's totally understandable. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I'll check it out when I see updates drop. Um, I don't know if I'll go back to it right now. I don't have that desire to build a huge mall that is just going to be more of what I have. Um, yeah. If they improve the specialty stores and the non-shop, non-store stuff, like the bowling alley, the movie theater is another one that's ridiculously expensive to do uh, and makes you almost no money. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else there is. Uh, restaurant. You can have fine dining and fast food. There's a couple others, I think, but nothing really that interesting. Um yeah. You can do a, it's essentially a diner, but you can do like fast, or not fast, but like coffee, a coffee shop mm-hmm. type thing. Um, but again, like the fast food isn't making me really any money. It's just taking care of itself and making people not leave because they're hungry. That's pretty much yeah. all it's doing. Uh, so, yeah. So... I was playing another brick in the mall kind of just to pass the time. And then a couple of days ago, uh, I think it was actually yesterday, actually, uh, 
a game I was waiting on dropped called uh, Graveyard Keeper. All right. So now, you know what Stardew Valley is? Yes. Okay. It's a farming game. Uh, This is similar, except for instead of farming, uh, farming food, you farm dead bodies. Um, Oh. So you're... You're a graveyard keeper. Um, you have your opening cutscene, and then you wake up, and you are now the keeper of a graveyard. Uh, and you're supposed to run, help run the church that's on the graveyard too, uh, which mm-hmm. has its own little storyline thing to it. Uh, there are you. Every once in a while, we get a body. Um, and it's your job to do what you will with it and then go bury it. Um, what you do to the body determines its quality. And uh, when you bury it, you'll get uh, uh, benefits or negative effects depending on what you did. And your graveyard has a rating, um, which isn't really affect the game overall. It just affects the church part of it, the storyline, because like... The first time, it's like, okay, get up to essentially five stars. And that's your first objective, you know. So you have to get rid of broken uh, tombstones and stuff, replace them or repair them. There's little frames around them. Replace them, repair them, and then your quality will go up. And as it goes up, you unlock more story progression on that side. Um, But there's a whole research thing tree multiple research trees i should say i should think of how to put it there are multiple research trees in the game used to unlock things um like you start out you can basically chop up bushes for sticks um but then you can chop down small trees for a log and later on you can chop down two trees for or a tree for two logs rather and you know you have that progression style uh so there's crafting in it. There actually is farming in it. <laughs> you can run your garden for food uh, to give you energy because it has a stamina-based system, yeah. uh, similar to Stardew Valley. Uh, so you use your stamina and you go to sleep. You wake up and then, you know, when you're out of stamina, you go to sleep. You can use food or drinks and stuff to give you more stamina. Uh, there are... You have kind of... You have a lot of NPCs that want you to do things uh, as per, you know, typical RPG type games. Um, And you have kind of your own objectives. You know, you want to increase the quality of your grave. Or do you have a overarching storyline you're trying to accomplish? Uh, And I mean, it's I'm trying to it's got day. your attention. I mean, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I mean, I've put, uh, let's see, how much time did I put into it so far? I played for five hours yesterday. Um, wow. And I had seen, I had seen a little bit of gameplay from this when it was in alpha months ago. Um, so I had it on my wish list for when it came out and it finally came out yesterday. So I put five hours into it and I, I'm enjoying it. Um, it's a good game. I am a little concerned that it's not going to hold my attention. Yeah. Um, there are there are aspects of it that they don't feel good. Um, 
in a game like this, there has to be a certain balance between energy, time, productivity, and objectives. Um, the NPCs will often be like, hey, I want this, you know, as pretty standard, you know, fetch quest or uh, actually are, I think they're pretty much, they're mostly fetch quests type thing. You know, go talk to this NPC or go pick up this item or bring this item to me, you know, or something like that. Uh, and that's kind of repetitive and uh, none of the, none of the storylines are super engaging. Even the main overarching story, I'm like, okay, um, kind of unnecessary. But, I mean, we'll see how it plays out because I haven't made it super far in the story. So maybe it gets better. Maybe nobody cares because these type of games, you typically don't care about the story. Um, yeah. But if you're not going to have a story worth caring about, why really have it? Um, the good thing about it, like in comparison to Stardew Valley, is Stardew Valley, you have seasons and stuff, so you always feel that time pressure. Uh, and the day will actually end automatically uh, when you run out of energy and stuff and at a certain time. Uh, the way Graveyard Keeper works is you can stay up for a couple days straight um, if you want. Uh, because if you're not doing things that require energy, why go to sleep, you know? Um, yeah. Or if you have a deadline, you know, you can uh, scarf down some bread and drink some beer and refill your energy that way. Uh and go about your business. Uh, but you don't have that overall pressure. There's no seasons. There are days of the week. So if you have something that occurs, you have your seven days, uh, which annoyingly don't actually follow, you know, real world calendar. Oh, uh, yeah. Day it's, names. Uh, you only have symbols. Like I'm not a big fan of that, man. Yeah. One's a sun. So fortunately, it's Sunday. But another one's a moon. So you have moon day. But then you have some. Uh, icon that looks like the Quake logo, which I didn't even realize until uh, a streamer I was watching earlier said that. <laughs> so you have essentially Quake Day. <laughs> um, there's a male and female symbols for days. So it's like, okay, this is Ladies Day, you know, what, whatever you want to call it. it. Yeah, I don't like the symbol system. Um, even if it was made up words, at least you had something to call it. But even in the dialogue, characters are like, yeah, come back on. And it shows a symbol. Like, uh, that's, yeah. okay, at least tell me you come back on moon day or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm in agreement with you, man. Like it can work, I, I suppose, but man, if you're going to base something around somewhat realistic timelines, just fucking make it like the timeline. Change yeah. the wording up a bit if you want to be unique or whatever, but don't make it a hassle for me to figure out what day is it? What time is it? Where, where do you, what do you want me to do? When? Yeah, kind of like how D and D with its months. You know, the months have names. They're not normal, and they're you know thirty day uh, months across the board. But it still makes sense. You know. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's actually names for the days of the week. I haven't looked that far. Um, I just looked at the months um, because the days would be different because there are ten days in a week. Uh, mm-hmm. A month is three days of ten. Anyway, so back to Graveyard Keeper. Um, so yeah, the most things require energy for you to do. Um, cooking food, some of it costs energy. Like if you're preparing something, like you can slice up meat. That takes energy because you're, you know, 
chopping your with your knife or whatever. Makes sense. Right, right. And then you have bread baking in the oven that has a timer. Um, so, and it's based on real time, not in game time, which I think is something they changed. Um, because I'm pretty sure in the alpha, it was based on game time. So you put bread in the oven, you go to bed. When you wake up, hey, your bread's done. You know, it magically uh, ejected itself out of the oven while you're sleeping. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'll walk back in your house after setting a bunch of food to cook. And then while you've been gone, you come back and there's bread all over the floor. You just walk up and pick it up. It's good. You know, it's fine. Magic. Ten, ten loaves finish themselves one after another um, <laughs> while you weren't home. Which, I don't, it's whatever. I don't really care about that it's part. What, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the part that's a timer, which on the food, not a big deal. You know, like I said, you put it in, you go about your business, come back, and it's done. Uh, what I don't like so far, and I think this is what's killed part of my enjoyment of the game, is one of the first big bottlenecks in the game is iron. Um, and there's smarter ways to do it than I did. I realized that after watching... Uh, co-carnage play this morning i was like yeah i probably should have bought you know ingots instead of this and yeah i, I could have shaved off like 30 minutes to get to the point where i'm at uh not a big deal it happens in games like this you know playing it blind like that because uh, i stopped watching essentially when he caught up to me uh but the the iron takes so long to make mm. it's like you know, and I don't know how, I want to say it's like three minutes per ingot or something like that. And iron is a resource you need a ton of. Um, oh. So I'm not sure if you're intended to have like more than one furnace going because you can build more than one. Um, but you don't really have the space for it. Um, you can unlock more space by doing some other stuff that uh, I've discovered. But starting out, it's like, okay. I need four iron ingots for an anvil. That's just one of the base items you create for your uh, little house area, uh, for your yard, I should say. Um, okay, I need four iron ing ingots. Okay, I put in four iron, which iron's easy to get. That ore is easy to get, no problem there. So I throw it in. I have to fuel the furnace, which fuels annoying, but once I unlock coal, I know that's going to basically be a non-issue it's just those you know i'm using firewood to power my furnace it's going to take a lot of wood you're heating up metal okay makes sense but while those four ingots are going what am i doing you know i could go get more iron but i already have like 50 i don't need more iron i just need to make it into ingots um and that's just it's been so brutal um uh i think it's Probably a, it probably wouldn't be so bad if I had other things I was working on at the same time, but I'm not necessarily at that point. Like I said, I'm at a bottleneck. You know, I need iron to make iron parts to make everything, essentially. Um, the, the iron parts are used to unlock all of these blocked off areas, um, there are things you need to craft pretty much any building or I say building any workstation or thing you can build in your yard after a certain point takes these metal parts. So 
like I said, I'm at a bottleneck. I need ingots. I need ingots. I could go buy them, mm. but this game doesn't give you much money to work with. Um, mm. This is a very low economy game at this point anyway. I'm sure yeah. it'll pick up. Um, and there are, I'm sure there are ways I could, you know, harvest items and sell or make food and sell the food I make or something like that to make money. But I'm trying to progress through the game. I'm trying to progress through the research tree, which is another thing that's got me annoyed right now. Uh, but this iron is just such a bottleneck. Um, yeah. It, it feels way too much. Um, Do you feel you're getting to the point now where you're questioning whether you want to continue? Like, do you feel like you're not getting enough incentives to even want to go through all this hassle that it sounds like it is? Yeah. I th- I think I think there are a couple things that I'll want to do before I really make that decision to not play anymore. But mm-hmm. it's certainly an issue. Um, yeah. The other big issue I'm having with the game right now is, so the way your research works is you have points. You have three different types of points you can spend on research. They're color-coded. You have red, green, and blue. Uh, red pertains to essentially manual labor, hard labor, you know. You make something, you typically get red, you chop down a tree, you get red and green. Uh, You mine, you get typically red, I think. I don't know if you get any green from that. Um, Green is related to nature. Like I said, you cut down a tree, you're going to get mostly red and maybe like one green. Excuse me. Hiccuping and burping. Can't stop. Um, It's not your day, man. Yeah. The... The... Yeah, so the green points are nature. Um, You harvest some mushrooms, you're going to get only green for that. It makes sense. Now, the third one are blue, and they are faith points. And they're related, or spirit, or mystic, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, points. I got to the point where I had researched essentially everything I could without blue points and so i went to each tree and i'm like all right there's a line of blue point requirements i can't meet um Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay i'm still progressing elsewhere so and there are things i need to do that will unlock so i'm like okay once i unlock the church i should start getting these points you know it's like a logical progression point not a big deal nothing in the blue was super necessary at that time um, it just would have been nice to have kind of, and I have side quests that require me to unlock certain research to complete stuff like that, you know, so like, okay, I'll just complete the side quest later. So I unlocked a church it has its own system. I get no blue points for anything I did at first. I'm like, okay. And by first, I mean at all. So I'm like, okay. Um, the, the guy actually tells me he's going to give me something, uh, and it will give me my first blue point. So I'm like, okay, cool. I get to that point. I get this item. And I get points. And then I start getting them. I'm like, okay. So I get that item. Or I complete that quest. Then I'm like, where are my points? <laughs> and I didn't realize for a while that I had a book in my inventory I had to use to get the points. Um, oh, come on. So I got five points from the item. Okay, cool, fine. I was like, all right, I need to be very careful. And I need to pick very carefully what I unlock my research because I don't know how to get more blue points and I need to unlock something that's going to help me get more blue points, you know? Makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I do that to unlock uh, 
it's essentially a desk. One of the trees relates to book writing or something, and apparently that has something to do with mystic and faith and, you know, blue points. So I'm like, all right, I'll unlock this desk. So I do that. I go to build it. Of course, it takes a bunch of iron stuff. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'll go sit and wait very impatiently for this forge Man. to spit out a bunch of iron ingots. Did that? Okay. Built a desk. All right. Let me see what I can do. Because when you, in the research tree, when you hover over something like an item and unlocks, it says, okay, you can make this from, you know, the carpenter's bench, the chopping block, or this. You know, it tells you specifically which tools you need to make that item, which is great. Yeah. I love that. That is awesome. Tell me where to go to make this item. I will do what I need to make it at that point. So I'm like, all right, the desk is like, you can use the desk to make paper. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I build the desk, use all these, you know, expensive and iron parts. Can't make paper on it. So I'm like, okay, I guess there's something else I need to do. Um, but while I was doing that, there's another item another piece of furniture for the church I needed to build but I opted to not do it because I expected this other one to give me more blue points to make it faster you know uh, yeah so um it's so frustrating and I was what I was talking about watching co-play uh, there are when you unlock the church there are things in the basement you destroy and you get random essentially random drops out of it his one of his drops was a book which I haven't seen any of that's what I'm actually trying to make to get started because um, you have a research table down there and they take science points which are different than any other point up to this point in the game didn't know they even existed until I opened up this table put my item into research and it's like oh hey you don't have any science points I'm like how do I get science points apparently you Come put on, a book man. on the Great table it gives you science, science points you know this <sighs> so it's it's just another bottleneck because I got unlucky on those uh, random drops. It's going to take me longer to get through that section. He got that so he was able to research and he did. He kind of screwed himself because uh, when you put in items to research, you're going to get a certain color uh, research point for the uh, tree. And he only did red and greens. Um, hmm. He didn't do anything that gave him blue. So he missed a lot of opportunity there. Whereas if I had that, maybe I would have made the same mistake, but I kind of knew that I wanted to get blue and I kind of was, had an idea of how it worked even before I saw him do it. Um, yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, if I have these, I can get blue, but no science, no books, no paper. So yeah, I'm at, because I'm the iron grind is so bad, I can't progress with this research stuff. You know, even if wow. I have to grind out some of that, that's fine. I can craft these items to get points and stuff, but yeah, so it's, it's very rough right now. Um, I'm going to play it some more. Uh, I'm just trying to right now balance out, make sure I'm doing enough destiny to play to hit the goal for the, uh, end of the month with the DLC or with the end of the solstice event and, uh, right. preparation. But yeah, it's just kind of frustrating. Um, it, it's one of those things where the grind doesn't match up with the payoff type thing. Yeah, um, yeah, I know what you mean. And the grind doesn't feel good. I'm just literally waiting. I can't do yeah. anything to speed it up. Uh, 
I literally have like a three-minute timer or whatever the timer is. It may be a minute and a half, but when you're playing a game, a minute and a half is a long time. Yeah. Um, Especially Especially if it's just you can't do anything else, you know. It's wait for this. Yeah, I mean. I guess maybe this game would pose better on like a mobile version or a mobile app, but yeah, yeah, that's. I don't know. But. That's not really my style anyway. It's not like there aren't other things I can do, you know. Like, I was like, okay, the furnace takes a lot of fuel. I'll go make a bunch of firewood. So I did that. I had like a hundred plus firewood, which isn't hard to get, but it just was a lot of me going out, chopping down trees, bringing it back, turning into firewood, going to sleep, you know, rinsing, repeating. And the thing, the issue I have is that in game, like three days are passing while I'm doing all this other stuff. And I get two ingots out of it, you know? Mm, it doesn't yeah. take that long. There should be some association with in-game day. Um, if I'm not sleeping, totally fine with it taking that long. But if I want to go to sleep so I can wake up and it be done, I think that is totally reasonable, you know? Uh, yeah. It's another game I'm going to have to ask you, man. So far, do you feel like you got your money's worth out of it? Um, Not yet. Not yet. I got five hours into it. Um, I want to say it's $15. Yeah, it sounds no, like a lot. $20. For, that's a lot for having a, a, a huge, basically a grind at the beginning of the game that's going to be a wall to motivation and incentive, you know? Yeah. And I'm. Because that could, that could kill it for somebody. I'm sure there's a more optimal route than what I did to kind of, you know, make it not as bad. Um, like I said, I could have bought iron ingots, uh, and each of those I could turn into parts, um, but I didn't want to spend the money because I haven't made much. Uh, yeah. So then I have to then I would have to focus more on the economy side of things and look at values and determine what I can do without, because pretty much everything you have has a purpose. Um, every item you have, whether it's a food item to give you energy, an item that's a material to craft a you know, higher tier crafting material. Everything has a purpose. So you don't necessarily want to get rid of anything. Uh, like food's essentially the most expendable item. Um, and I I discovered last night while I was just trying to look at recipes and stuff and mess around with buttons, I found you can use more ingredients and in items to make them higher quality. Mm. Uh, so that's a whole other aspect I'm going to have to consider when crafting things. Uh not sure how much it's worth it, but it's something that you know I'll certainly have to explore and look at. Um, keep a, keep an eye out for dragon scales and dragon, uh, yeah, yeah, dragon ingredients. It's gonna help you. <laughs> it's my breath of the wild joke. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm not giving up on the game. I'm gonna still play it. Um, it overall has a fun premise to it. Um, it's just a matter of getting all the mechanics unlocked for yourself. Um, yeah. I yeah. do have concerns about the longevity of the game um, because there are, there's like, there's finite space, you know, in your yard. There's a finite research tree, um, mm-hmm. of course. It's not going to be infinite. Um, but I feel like once you get to a certain point, it's going to decline fast. You know, right now I have tons of things I could do. I have a couple of bottlenecks, 
But once I actually get to doing them, I'm concerned that it's all going to go really fast. Um, yeah. Kind of like how another brick in the mall. It was really, really slow. There's this huge bottleneck on cash starting out. But once I made, once I got to like $2,000 a day profit, the game's essentially over. <laughs> I've got you enough know, profit. I can keep doing things. I'm trying to recall specifics when I played through Harvest Moon. Not Harvest Moon, sorry. Uh, Stardew Valley. Because a lot of this sounds like Stardew Valley-esque. And I think that was... I mean, again, I think I played this like two years ago, so it's, yeah. it's been a minute. And I, re- I didn't necessarily, it's not that I ran through it. It's just that w- kind of the same thing you're saying. Once uh, once things started going, it was just everything was popping off. And then yeah. before I knew it, I went from, man, I can I, I have like a shit ton of land to clear and I can only buy so many seeds and only plant so many plants at a time to where I had you know, like six, seven, eight rows of plants all set up with automatic sprinklers yep. and animals that had automatic feeders, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. And it was like, well, yeah. I don't really know what else I'm supposed to do now. I mean, the story is kind of okay, but I've kind of finished the story yeah, as much as I care, you know. Yeah, I mean, that one really didn't have much of a story. You just played for three years, and if you did good enough, yeah. you got the good <laughs> result. If not, you didn't. Um yeah. The big so thing. really leveraged on the gameplay, and then the gameplay just kind of went, ah, done. Yeah, the, the big thing for Stardew Valley was the collections. Um, I still didn't finish them all, uh, but I was working on it, but I had a couple that were like super low percent drops from like fishing and stuff. Um, yeah. But I was working on 100%ing the game, and that's what gave me more gameplay out of it. Um, mm. Now it has multiplayer in it, so I'm probably going to be doing that soon. Um not sure how much I'll play it, you know, because I played through before. Like I said, I was on my way to 100%ing the game. I got probably 90% done with it. So, but I haven't played with all the new updates. So I'm kind of curious what that'll change, um, how playing with more than one person will change. Um, if we play with the kids, that's going to be completely different, you know, because playing with the kids. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, it had more to it. Um, going through the levels in the mine that gave you something to do. Um, if the energy system was less restrictive, I think it would kind of suffer like Graveyard Keeper is. Because one of the things about Graveyard yeah. Keeper is you can go to bed anytime you want. And you can sleep for as long as short as amount of time as you want. Um, I think it will actually, uh, I think after like being up for 24 hours or something, or like 36 hours in the game, you actually get an icon on your screen. I've never seen it, but Co had it on his when he was out doing something for a long time. Uh, I don't know if it'll eventually make you like pass out or something, uh, but it gives you quite a ways, and you don't want to stay up because you're not getting energy. You know, uh, you eventually need to sleep to be able to do stuff. Um, yeah. But the energy is a bit too free, probably. Um, and the alpha, it was definitely too restrictive. Um and there was a mechanic in game where you got more, way more energy, like double the energy sleeping at night than you did during the day. Um, so it penalized you quite a bit for not actually sleeping at nighttime, which didn't really work out very well in that game. Um, it's not, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say it's not balanced well enough for that. Uh, it may be that the days aren't balanced with the energy, if that makes sense. Um, so... Either 
either too much time or not enough time was passing. So like you run out of energy first thing in the morning or you wouldn't and you'd run out in the middle middle of the night, you know. Um, yeah. So you ended up sleeping in the morning when it's daylight and your energy gains went from fours and fives to ones and twos, you know, maybe a three here and there. Yeah. Um, so I think they, they may have overdid it with the energy. Um, but it, like, it's not really bad. I mean, really, like I said, for me, I think it comes down to the time, things that require real time to wait on, um, yeah. without having yeah. enough other things to do. I'm sure that'll change. You know, once I unlock a couple more things, I can go fish while iron's cooking, you know, but for to unlock fishing, I mean, I technically can buy a rod from the guy, but to do his quest, I have to unlock a research that takes the blue points. So to get the blue points, I need this and that, you know, so it's a. Yeah. You're managing what, what you're managing your priorities. Yeah. Um, but once I unlock these things, maybe it'll be better. Maybe this is just, it's a bottleneck now. Won't be a concern, you know, and another more hour of gameplay. Could very you well said be that you're way. about five hours into it so far? Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, like I said, I there are ways I could have went through quicker. Um, I think Co made it essentially to where I'm at in like three and a half because he had, you know, his chat helping him, you know, being like, mm-hmm. hey, you need to do this or this is useful on this. Like you can remove items from bodies or pieces from bodies. Like you can, you start out being able to just take some flesh from it. Um, which has its own whole own connotations to it because you can cook that flesh and eat it. Um, oh, but and there's a whole storyline thing with getting a royal stamp so you can actually sell it to the tavern. Um, because they require the stamp because you know there was unsavory sourced meat in the past, but once you no. get the stamp, it's good to go. You know that's their check. Um, so that's the first thing you can take off pretty much from the start. But then you can start taking out blood and fat. But taking out blood and fat's good. But if you take out, unless you screw it up, which can happen. But then if you take yeah. out the skull, the body's in worse shape. If you take out bones, the body's in worse shape. You know, you have things that are good to take out, things that are bad to take out. Um, but all the items you can take out have a purpose. You know, it's whether or not you want to do that. Because uh, when you bury a body, there, that quality determines how quality of a grave it can be. Um, yeah, these little skull indicators are either red or white, and for every red, uh, your quality doesn't count for that one. So if you have a body that has two red skulls on it, one white, that means you have to have three positive things on your grave just to counteract the two and get the one white. Um, and you can't go a higher quality than there are skulls so you have three white skulls you can get plus three on that grave if you have two red skulls and a white skull you can only get plus one so you get a lot of benefit out of burying bodies in better condition so there's a balance to okay this body i'm going to take stuff out of or i'm not going to take stuff out of and bury it just to get a better score so my graveyard's better um but i need stuff from this body so i'm gonna take all this stuff out instead of burying i'm just gonna go toss it in the river (laughs) <laughs> which I believe have connotations later on in the game. But for now, it's the only alternative I have. Uh, there is a crematorium. It kind of gives you a sign going, hey, crematorium here. But there's some, probably something story or research related, and I don't have it yet. Um, yeah, yeah. But if you don't bury it, you don't get the money 
for dealing with the body. Uh, you only get the money if you bury it. And based on what I know, I think it's also if you cremate them, you get the money because you're still, you know, technically doing what you're supposed to. Yeah. Uh, but if you throw it in the river, you get nothing other than the parts you took out of it. That was a big question I had about this game. Uh, how much of it is like actual grave stuff? Like how much of it is it actually him being a, a graveyard keeper as opposed to basically fucking Stardew Valley? It's, I think it varies depending on what your priorities are. Um, yeah. Because there is, like I said, a whole storyline type thing related around the church. And that's, you know, based on your graveyard raiding. And to do that, you have to take care of the bodies. Um, but like there's a, uh, what do I want to call it? There's a barrier at uh, the point I'm at where I can't get any more bodies until I do something else. Um mm -hmm. So I have to go do that, which is going to take time. Uh, not a big deal. Um, I'm okay with it uh, because I have so much other stuff I can do. Really, the only thing that that's hurting me on it right now is the money aspect because I can get a body, bury it, and get you know money for it. Uh, yeah, that's really the only reason I care about it, and because I threw like three bodies in the river in a row because I kept screwing them up. Um, I didn't understand the mechanics behind the removing things. So I just did them all and ended up with, you know, like four red skulls, <laughs> no white. It's like, all right, I'm not burying this body. Um, I'll just chuck it in the river. Um, but yeah, so there's lots of good mechanics to the game. Uh, story feels weak right now. Bottlenecks with iron. Um, and concern about longevity. I think it's the good fact that you talked about this game like three times as long as Destiny Two says something to me, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> like I've talked about Destiny Two a lot in the past, so yeah, it's true. Yeah. That is true. Gotta gotta keep it in context. Yeah, and, I, and I'm trying to keep Destiny short because <laughs> I talk yeah. about it essentially every week. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna keep playing it. Um, I think I'll be doing Destiny Two tonight. Hopefully knock out the clan stuff. If the person I was trying to coordinate with isn't able to play, I might play more Graveyard Keeper. Because, um, like I said, I'm not really feeling the Destiny grind today. Um, yeah. Though I should because I only have until Tuesday at 1's reset or whatever time it is to get those three weapons. That can only be done, or three per week, you know. I think I need five, so I need at least two this week. And then I can do three next week and be done. Yeah, I don't like that whole, and that's kind of a big thing with Destiny is the week gate, the week time gate. You don't do so yeah. much stuff in a week. Um, if I want to play 40 hours of Destiny and knock everything out in one week, I should be able to, you know? Yes. I don't really yes. like Agreed. being limited to, okay, you can play five hours this week, five hours next week, you know, to make progress towards an objective. I don't even uh, understand the mentality behind that. Like, I guess it's that to try to help keep everybody around the same level and the le same playing field, but it, why? I think it's more to keep people playing the game, period. Um, coming back this to the game. Because if everybody maxes out month one and month two, it's not really a whole lot of reason to play unless they release DLC. But if they time gate Solid stuff, point, yeah. Um, the, you know, I'm talking about Destiny again. The... The, I did it. 
Um, it wouldn't be so bad, in particular talking about these weapons, if they didn't take materials that had such a low cap um, on how many you can hold. Because you, yeah. you get them from doing things you're going to do anyway. Like when I'm doing milestones, I'll get ma- the materials uh, from strikes and from crucible. Those both drop. Public events drop them uh, at a fairly decent pace. Um, I was working on the uh, the solstice armor drops, and I got enough materials just from doing those to do two weapons or to finish one and then do the next two. No problem. But you can only hold, uh, and each of these items has two tiers to it. Um, and you need 10 of the item to turn it into the advanced version. Um, the base item you can hold, only hold 20 of, which means you can only hold the materials for two of the advanced one, which is whatever, fine, you know, except you can only hold three of the advanced one. So at the peak of having your inventory full, you can hold enough for five items of that type. Um, and each weapon uh, takes two of based on where I'm at now two of each essentially or two of two of the three types because there are three different uh, materials it's going to take at least two of two of them the part I'm on now actually takes two of all three Um, the third one I hadn't used yet so that was fine but I was completely out of the other two Uh, or I had one of one of them and then none of this third so I'm officially halfway done with the item but this one doesn't even count for the week i think or this is one of the in-between ones so right um because i i guess i got to a point where i have a little mini quest in the middle of these weapon crafting things because it's kind of one big quest line and you craft three weapons and then there's another part of the quest line or something um not quite following uh because it's been so long since i did anything related to it yeah. I've been sitting on these materials and stuff, and I was capped out on materials for a long time because I, only, I was missing one of the three, but the other two have been capped out for probably months. Um, so now I've got to actually farm these materials, but I don't want to do that unless I'm accomplishing other things because it's so slow. Um, right. Like Crucible. I, Crucible's okay because I'm doing Iron Banner, Crucible bounties, the Crucible milestone, which the bounties are worthless, essentially, but I still do them just because, it's, hey, you accomplished something, you know. Um, the milestone, which I now know is useless, so I don't care anymore, uh, which is bad, you know. I have this objective. It's a clear objective for me to accomplish every week, and it's now worthless. That is such a shit thing to do. Yeah. It makes zero sense. Um, so now I don't care about milestones. So that knocks out essentially all my motivation for the week. It's like, okay, I log on Tuesday or Wednesday, knock out my milestones, I'm done for the week. Now it's like, okay, I log on Tuesday at the reset, don't need milestones, don't care. Okay, turn the game off. You know, what am I supposed to do? Um, if it wasn't for the moments of triumph stuff and the uh, solstice stuff I'm working on, I probably wouldn't be playing at all right now. It's such a sad thing to hear, man, too, because it's like I'm, 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 I'm barely there. I'm barely holding on. I have mm-hmm. something that's keeping me there, but it's like if you're good enough, not oh man, this is great. I'm having such a good time. I love this. It's, oh, it's like addiction. It's like eh, yeah. So it's 
it's rough. I want to get through it, but it's one of those, like we talked about before, it's that grind. You know, you just have to force yourself through and it doesn't feel good if you want to accomplish it. It does not. But yeah, so I'm, and as much annoyance I'm having with Graveyard Keeper, I'd much rather do that than the grind. So it's one of those things where I'm like, eh, and I actually, I I was planning on going back to uh, working on Octopath Traveler and finally finishing it up, or trying to anyway. Um, But then the Destiny 2 stuff picked up, and I'm like, all right, I need to spend time on this. Uh, Octopath Traveler isn't going nowhere. (laughs) Um, But these events are going away, and I will never be able to get these items again. And that's the only reason I'm still grinding. So yeah, now I've talked about my week for an hour. That's <laughs> totally fine, man. Apparently this Graveyard Keeper is a damn good game because, wow. <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, hey, at the end of the day, if and when you're done with that and the other 17 games you're working on, you could always go play Persona 4. It's there for you to try. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at that as you were talking about it. I looked up, I was like, okay, how can I play this game? <laughs> Yeah. It's like, I'm going to have to hook up my PS3. Uh, I don't want to do that. Um, I don't have a spot you know, on my you desk. S- I, I agree with you. I'm I'm the same way. Like, I just uh, have to go back and hook everything up. I'm, it's such a fucking first world problem. I'm such a whiny yeah. ass when it comes to that. But <laughs> once I made room and then figured out how to split all these HDMIs and, and have everything going to every any monitor that I want or any TV I want. Yeah. Once I did the fucking work, now they're there. Now I'm not removing them. Like, and that goes for any other console, PlayStation 2, GameCube, NES, whatever. Once yeah. I have it finally worked out, I just, I just leave it there. I mean, I think. Cause I know in the, pa- I know in the past, I obviously said too, just not on the podcast, just for myself personally, it's like, yeah, when am I going to play the PlayStation 1 ever again? I'll just mm-hmm. play the PlayStation 2 and I'm, well, I'll be damned. Yeah. I actually have my PS3 over by the other TV. I don't even know. If, I think it's hooked up right now. It might be. Um, but the issue is I'm playing at my desk um, and I already have yeah. uh, PS4, Xbox One, and uh, Switch on my desk along with my work laptop, you know, four screens. I only have so much real estate. So. Um, you have to start bolting your consoles to the wall, man. Come I on, actually, dude. so. <laughs> uh, I. We'll have to have a conversation about this sometime else. But I have plans for my desk space. It's kind of only because of the apartment I'm in now that I'm kind of limited like I am. But mm-hmm. when it's all said and done and I have a little bit more room, I have plans. Um, and, yeah, I, I want to be able to fit everything um, that yeah. I care about. Now, I like I've been thinking about, you know, if I get serious about speedrunning Final Fantasy VII, Sure, I'll, I'm practicing on the emulator. You know, save states and all this stuff. It's just way easier. Common to, sense, yeah. Come yeah. on. Now, once I want to do a run for real and actually like get my name on a leaderboard, I need to bust out either my old PlayStation One or probably buy because I don't think I have the PS2 for it. Um, that's backward. Uh, they're all backwards compatible, uh, but I think. But there's a. Um, on some of the PS2s, there's a disk speed option that you can set up in the PS2's BIOS, you know, for splash screen. Uh, yeah. So it actually runs faster, and it shaves, like, X amount of time, which doesn't matter for me starting out. Um, but if I want to be serious about it, that's something I have to consider, and I'll need room for that. Um, yeah. But my HDMI splitter, I had one that 
had three ports. Um, so I had one going for my TV and everything on it went to that one because uh, I had another splitter over there with like five ports. But now I have stuff on my desk and at the other TV and I'm just ignoring the TV right now. Um, so yeah. everything's on my desk that I'm using. So I have a four port splitter, three consoles plus my PC that go to my screen. So I want to get a bigger mm-hmm. splitter. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I actually, I have no outlet space. I actually bought uh, during the uh, Prime Day thing uh, a long desk surge protector. Actually, you know, like attaches to the edge of the desk and mm-hmm. the, spa- the ports are spaced more apart. So you don't have that problem like you do with the normal surge protector, you know, where yep. you have a yep. brick plug and it blocks three plugs because oh, it's so big. Um, yeah. So this, and I don't have it hooked up yet or attached to my desk yet. It's still in the box next to me. But that'll give me, I think it's only like one or two more spots technically, but the mm-hmm. space will unlock, uh, or unlock, will like free up like three or four more spaces for me. Um, so totally worth the little bit it costs. It wasn't much at all, especially with Prime Day. Um, this is a this is such a good thing about Amazon being what it is, and just oh, I mean in general, not just Amazon, but in general shopping online for stuff. Because when I when I searched for power uh, power supplies, I needed three at least, and yeah, I made sure to find ones that had all that. Like I needed, I need, I need. How many does the one next to me have? I think it has like twelve, mm-hmm. but. Like, it looks big, it looks bulky, it's got some curves to it, they try to stylize it, but I mean, it's a big power supply, and it only has 12 spaces, and then like three in the middle, but all of them, even the ones in the middle, they're all spaced, like, there's lots of room, there's lots of room for me to plug anything, no matter what weird, odd-ass plug you can give me, it'll go in here and not take up room, and that's a necessity. Couldn't find that going to Walmart. Couldn't find a Target, Best Buy, and a Granted. This was, you know, years ago. I've had these forever. But, mm-hmm. yeah, two fucking five minutes shopping online, Amazon, boom, there we go. Yeah, these are the ones where it's the single strip. All the, mm-hmm. all the uh, outlets are on the same line. It's just, mm-hmm. like, three feet long. <laughs> yeah. So it'll attach to the side of my desk and be pretty much the width of my desk and just attach to one of the bars underneath, and I'll plug stuff in that way. Um, and yeah. I wouldn't have even thought about buying this because I was looking at search protectors. I was like, yeah, I need more space. And I, the ones I have are pretty good about it. Um, I picked them specifically, specifically for that reason. But I would have mm. never thought about buying this, but it showed up on you know, the deals. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. I could use one of those. <laughs> and there goes the money, you know? Yep. I uh, mentioned Amazon this before, works. man, but man, my, my setup here is so crazy. Like it, it functions now. Now that I have everything set correctly and have everything connected and all, mm-hmm. but the 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 slight negative side of having two monitors is having everything running through both monitors whenever you want them. You know, so if my if if I'm playing, I can play PC on one screen and then play uh I can play PlayStation 4 on one screen and then have the PC running on another screen mm-hmm. playing videos or surfing the web or doing whatever. I can have it where I'm playing PlayStation 4 on my screen and my wife is playing another PlayStation 4 on her screen. And just the way that all of this has worked out, the way that I had to split the signals coming from individually from the systems and then yep. 
uh, add extra HDMI ports to each of the TVs and then have those in a selectable. I have a, I have a fucking remote for each of these two HDMI selectors. Yeah, me too. It's, <laughs> it's insanity. And yeah, it's an extra button or two clicking, but, but that it's, it, my setup is so I can play any box on that desk on this, on these entertainment centers on either one of these screens. At the push of some buttons. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like, the back is a fucking mess. Like, it is oh, yeah. bad. It's a bad jungle of stuff back here. And I am not that anal about that stuff. Uh, as, as much of a, uh, putting things in particular places kind of guy that I am, you think that I would be, but the amount of work it takes to get all that shit just to function i put cords where they need to go it works i drop the cords i leave it <laughs> I, I don't have shit bundled and zip tied and nice and neat yeah it's I, just uh, if this shit works i let it be i i have a mess with my cables as well but a lot of it i don't have a choice with because the cords are just long enough um, oh yeah i actually have things positioned in ways some of them are where they are only because of cable length i literally have no options um Man. So, and I actually, before I bought this power strip, I bought two, like, 12-foot-long power cords for monitors. Mm -hmm. Because my monitors, my because I have four monitors on my desk, so I have two and then two above it. The ones mm -hmm. above it can only reach so far. So, oh, it's like running across the thing instead of running along, you know, the spine of the monitor stand and stuff it's just yep. diagonal across everything um, <laughs> and i have a power cord out of one of them that keeps coming out if i ever bump with my foot you know um, yeah which is annoying so it's, it's i don't even i don't even want to think about how much money i've spent just on hdmi cords like I, <laughs> yeah i have a bin of them and it's like i thought i had more so i buy more and it's like i need more because that is that is the other side of this is going to be the fucking hardware episode now. <laughs> but this that is another side effect of all this stuff is like yeah it's it's nice and quaint having two large sixty something inch monitors side by side. The problem is, and you don't I don't I, I guess I don't know how much people have to deal with this all the time, but you don't realize until you start hooking all this shit up, none of these cords are long enough. Oh, yeah. Like you, you having to put consoles in places that you don't want to put them or where they don't belong, because you don't have that extra like four inches of freaking cord space, or you're buying extensions, or yeah. you're buying the same cord but buying a longer cord and longer I, power cords and all I that. I was so oh. amused um, because I don't remember what it was I bought, but for some reason it came with like a two foot HDMI cable. You know they expect you to put it like right next to the TV. Uh -huh. I was like, all right, that's going in the box and never being used. But <laughs> my switch is right next to the HDMI splitter. So I literally oh, wow. have now have a purpose for that cable. It has a home. Wow. <laughs> nice. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. The the first world problems we have. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It is nice, though. Again, just, just the, the having... I don't know why. It's funny when I go to other people's houses, especially ones that are you know medium to average gamers, and I see, I'm like, man, you just got one TV? How do you do this? Like, what do you do? It's like, they're like, nobody, not everybody's a fucking weirdo like you that has to be ingesting two forms of media at the same time. I don't know, yeah. man. I love it. 
Yeah, awesome. my, my living room may only have one TV, but between all the computer desks, there are eight monitors. <laughs> Jesus. There are five computers, eight monitors. Yeah, so. Yeah. Plus a TV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, I guess we can roll into today's topic. Sure. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, early access. Early access, of course, in the video game world. Yep. Uh, this is something that I'm not well-versed on. Uh, this is something that I've I've only really dove into because it was a topic thing as mm-hmm. of recent. I have had a couple early access stories uh, or a couple games that I could tell about, but this is not something I'm well, extremely versed in. Uh, as of note, another game that I purposely left out of my week, but one that I can, you know, bring into this topic is uh, Dead Cells. I heard about Dead Cells from two best friends back when they did a uh, basically a one-off video of it uh, months ago, maybe even a year ago. I'm not sure. And the gameplay seemed interesting enough for me. It uh, it's it's side scrolling. It's it's got some Metroidvania, but it's it's roguelike is the main takeaway from it. You yeah. can go around the world and collect special items to increase your abilities and your mobility and your attack and magic and all this stuff. Uh, of course, if you die now, I mm, this gonna sound so bad because I have died, but I think I've died and just like quit. So I'm not sure if it drops items a la souls, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's entertaining. And so I, you know, that I, I saw the video for two best friends when they dropped that. And then I went out and bought the, I don't know if it was on sale or if I was just like, wow, and just went out and bought it. But <laughs> I didn't realize until after I bought it and I'm sure they said it in the video. I just either didn't pay attention or, or. I, I'm always enamored when I see a game that says early access, but I'm watching somebody play it like it's nobody's business. Yeah. You know, like you, you're damn near playing the full game. Like, what are you missing? Like, there's one level. There's, there's 13 levels they're working on the last level or the game is complete. We're just upgrading texture packs or fixing, you know, a laundry list of bugs, but you can still pretty much play the game. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think that might have been what this early access thing was for Dead Cells. Like, so I went out and bought it and just, yeah, right off the bat, I could start playing it. I didn't have the experiences beforehand. So if the the people that kind of got on the real early floor, I wasn't a part of. I pretty much played a damn near built game and was like, yeah, this is awesome. Cool. And because of that, I'm sorry, go ahead. When did you actually play it? When did you start playing it? Oh, I would have to go look up, uh, let me see, to, I'd have to go look up the video. I don't know how to look and see when I first bought it on Steam and I'm too lazy to look. Yeah, I mean, if you just open uh, the game, it'll tell you when you bought it. Um, uh, it one does. year ago is when oh. they dropped their video and that's pretty much when I bought the game, somewhere around there. Okay, but did you play it then or did you just start yeah. playing it? Okay. No, I okay. I bought it then, and that that that's what I'm saying. That's what drew me into play. It, period was the fact that gotcha. like I'm watching them, and they're going. I don't know how far they made it, but there was a lot of gameplay that they kept doing, and there was no there was no cutoff. They didn't get to a certain thing. Go all right. Well, thanks for playing. That was level one. You know, you can play the other twenty levels when the game is out. They just kept going. Those are the kind of early accesses that I yeah. have you know been interested in or got involved with. Yeah, so 
with early access, um, the big thing with it is, and for those that don't know, early access is that terminology comes from Steam. Um, it used to be uh, greenlit games or something like that. Uh, or no, I think that was games that were that needed to be full that were trying to be fully released on Steam. Whatever, it something evolved in the early access, which are games that are still in early phases. Um, and uh, Michael, you actually asked this question to me before, but what's the difference, you know, between that and like an alpha or beta? You know, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. early access is all the above, um, and that's kind of where it suffered, I think, as a start. Uh, early access has been around now for four years, three years, something like that. It's been quite a while now. Um, yeah. And when it first came out, there were tons of horror stories uh, because it was kind of being used for alpha versions of games, uh, mm-hmm. which were very buggy, minimal content. Sometimes even the framework of the game wasn't completely done. So people would pay to play these games and not have a good time, which is kind of what early access, that's the biggest difference between early access and alpha and betas in general is that when there is a beta for a game, typically that's free to play. You're testing the game out for one reason or another, and that's it. You know, like MMO, hey, it's open beta for everyone. You don't have to own the game to play it, you know, to help us, you know, load test servers, uh, check for bugs, etc. Yeah. Um, there are some, you know, buy the game and you get access to the beta. Sure, but you're you're getting a essentially complete game or a game that's in its final phases. It's not like, oh, we still need to add all the content. It's like, okay, yeah. content's there. We need to do the QA, you know, finish that up and launch the game. Early access games are all parts of the development cycle. Um, so you're paying for a game that... <laughs> you may have an hour's worth of time on and go, this is a mess. Um, yeah. There are games that have been in early access for years. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them, that's okay. Some of them, that's not okay. Um, yeah. Like I, I have talked about in the past seven days to die. I love that game. That game, I think they still consider an alpha. But it, wow. it's got so much to it. They're constant. I say constantly. They, they uh, I think they had a period where people got a little upset because they weren't updating as much. Um, but the studio grew. They've added more people. They've updated more. Uh, and the game's still fun. Um, there's a update being pushed soon. I actually need to check and see if it's out yet because it's now middle of August. And I think that's about the time the update was supposed to push. But every time they push out an update, I'm like, awesome. Let's Me and my girlfriend go start a new world, play it together, see what changed. And we'll put 40 hours into it. And this is just this version of it, just to see what changed. Um, Because it's how much fun the game is. Um, One that's kind of notorious is DayZ. Um, It's another survival game similar to, I think it actually came out before Seven Days, uh, which is originally one of the reasons people hated on Seven Days, I think, was they thought it was just going to be a clone. Uh, But DayZ... There were issues with its development. Uh, I don't know if it actually stopped development at one point in time or another, but it's, it's still technically in early access and still up. 
Uh, I'm just not sure how much progress is being made on it. But if you look at the reviews for it on Steam, um, I think I still, I think I closed the page because I'm an idiot. Uh, but I looked at it and it was like mostly negative. Uh, yeah. It was like for recent, it was very negative. <laughs> and wow. for long term or lifetime, it was mostly negative. Uh, Jesus. Let me see if that's the one. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Recent reviews is mostly negative, and all reviews is mixed. Um, and it's been in, it's been released since 2013, so it's spent almost five years now because uh, it's December 2013. So it's almost five years in early access, and it's not getting good reception. Um, mm. Whereas Seven Days to Die, actually, is that the same day? <laughs> Seven Days to Die wow. released three days before Day Z. Um, uh-huh. So it's been out also almost five years. But its recent reviews are mixed, which I don't know why. I think it might be because it's been a while since the patch and they're about to pull one out. But the all reviews, the lifetime, very positive. Hmm. So these are two games, very similar in style. Uh, similar lifespans, like three days apart at this point. Um, I'm not sure how much time either of these had before they went to early access, you know, whether or not they were accessible or not. Don't know. It's not really going to factor into this, but just those two review differences shows you a different level of, uh, of experiences you get with early access. Yeah. You know, and like I was saying, I think we've entered an era kind of with early access where we're getting way more, uh, way more positive experiences than negative. Yeah, um, I think uh, by now, with all the horror stories that I did read, it's, mm-hmm. people kind of have the idea. It's, you got to follow through with this shit, man, because it's, it's not good. It's going to, there are there are now consequences for you going, yeah, well, it just kind of petered off. And oh, no. Yeah. And I think the, uh, the whole Kickstarter thing didn't help because that was a thing. Yeah. That was a debacle. Uh, one of the games I noted down as being a, Horror story was actually a uh, goddess. Do you know about that one? Goddess. Yeah. I'm trying to think. God, that sounded so familiar. I'm going to go look it up. Okay. Yeah. So that was a Kickstarter game. Got like $800,000 back in 2014. I want to say it is 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. It is still in early access. It has whatever the worst. <laughs> Uh, review status is it has that uh, for recent and all reviews I think and yeah it's bad um, but $800,000 kick started and people still don't have a full game from it mm, that's, yeah. and that, that's, that's kind that. of the stuff that made early access hard for people early on too that really cared that really wanted to do it because people mm-hmm. are like oh it's just another early access game who cares you know it's just going to be another goddess or whatever um, but now, right now, it, I would say is really good for early access. Um, PUBG, as much as we crap on it, it was early access for a while, finally released, yeah. which is good, but yeah. it, it was a success. I mean, personal feelings aside, it was, it's a successful game. Yeah. You can't, you uh, can't deny the numbers, man. Yeah. Um, it's even gone to consoles now, so that's good for them. Even though it's technically early access still on consoles, but that doesn't really matter um, when it's all said and done. Uh, Ark, um, I haven't played it um, and watching it, it's whatever, but it was early access. 
Um, and I don't know when they actually released it, but it's got a positive. Uh, uh, I want to say it's mostly positive rankings. Um, they're releasing all kinds of DLC and stuff for it. Uh, it's used for RP, for role play. Um, so it's got an audience. Um, and generally, as far as I know, people are overall happy with it. Uh, cool. I uh, I talked about before, and this is actually my favorite story of Early Access. Um, a game that's still in Early Access. It's, uh, what's the, God, it just updated. Let me go see if it's still my downloads. Of course not, because I clear my downloads. Um, but it's the computer simulator game. Uh, PC building simulator. This yeah. game... I played, had fun with it, and I was like, okay. Um, I I enjoyed it. You know, I pretty much capped out the game after putting 28 hours into it. Wow. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, it's early access, so who knows when there will be an update, whatever, and when the game will actually be done. I'll pick it back up then. So I went to the website uh, after I saw some article or something on the Steam page, and they actually... They've pumped out update after update after update. They have lists wow. of things they're actively working on, things that they're going to do next, and they cross things off the list as they complete them and push them out to the game on Steam. Nice. It is nice. awesome. And these aren't, you know, minor bug fix tweaks. These are feature changes. These are more, uh, not quite, there's not really a story, but more, uh, uh, customers, more content. More content, yeah. More customers. They're changing features, adding features. Uh, like they're, you run benchmarks on your computers you know you build. And these computers, the benchmark thing sucked really to run. But now they've changed it, so it runs a little differently. And it seems, I haven't played it since, but reading the patch notes and you know the chain, how they changed it, it makes sense. And now it seems like mm-hmm. it'd be a lot better and smoother. Um adding more computer parts. You know, they have these whole lists like, yeah, we're going to add these models of video cards to the game next. You know, they just have to model them in and stuff. Uh, but it's awesome to see. Um, the other one I really liked recently, uh, haven't played it. Uh, I actually bought it for my girlfriend to play instead of buying it for myself. But it's called Raft. Have you seen any gameplay of it? Mm, that's another one that sounds familiar. I'm gonna have to look it up. I couldn't find any pictures of the freaking goddess game, so I I gave that one up. Yeah, it, if you search on Steam, you won't find it. But if you Google it, you'll find the same page for it. It's weird how they have it. <laughs> I think it's gotcha. like blocked from search results or something on Steam itself, which would be very interesting if that's actually the case. Yeah. Um. But Raft is a survival game. But it's different. Bingo. In that yes. You start yes. out on a raft, hence the name, on essentially mm-hmm. a water world. Um, it's earth, but the water's level's risen and stuff. Right. Uh, it has probably eight hours of solid gameplay, probably six to eight hours, um, if you don't rush it to get to where the game is at right now. Um, huh. And even after I've watched all... 
eight hours of gameplay, I still feel like I could go play it and have fun. Um, it's something that, you know, I'm going to play with my girlfriend probably, uh, which is the main reason I bought it for her was so she could try it. <laughs> so I know if we'd actually play it together. Um, yeah. And she cursed at me uh, as she started. But anyway, um, yeah, but it's <laughs> it's another one where they released a mechanically solid game with enough content an actual progression to get you through that many hours of gameplay, you know? Um, and that's from like day one of early access. That's like day one of early access release. When the first day mm-hmm. you could download it, you had this much content. Um, so even though it's m- more of a demo at that point, it's still enough, you know? Um, yeah. It, it kind of accomplished what it was meant to. It got, um, bugs discovered which is what you want in any sort of beta and even alpha um but it also got interest in the game um so what i've seen gives me hope for the game in the future you know and makes me want to support that game you know so yeah. uh and that's kind of one of the good things about early access is these developers especially indie developers can release an early access version of their game get that support and that helps them fund the rest of the game Um, right really most of the horror stories you hear are when games make a ton of money and then you never hear from them again yeah yeah and I mean, yeah, you 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 mentioned Kickstarters. They had the same thing, you know, and they have worse ones where it's like, oh, here's the money and this is what we're giving you. And like, we gave you $5 million. Why does this look like it belongs on Steam's 427th page? What is this? Yeah. What, uh, you said you had a couple of games that, uh, you had stories of or you were going to want to talk about i know dead cells was the only it was the main one that came to mind because that was mm-hmm. the most recent one yeah. uh i know uh, i'm speaking for him he's not here with us today unfortunately but uh, uh i know adam talks a lot about uh star citizen mm-hmm. and this was the first this was kind of my first foray into just hearing about early access because i didn't even know this was a thing uh, I find some things about it pretty amazing, and this this was the first game that I ever was. This is the game that introduced me to early access. Sure. Uh, this game has been around for quite some time. It's it's yeah, it's the butt of a lot of jokes because it is still in early access. It's still not being uh, released yet, but it seems that this kind of game, this is the kind of game where early access is a almost a necessity because they. They kept. I'm, I'm saying that in past, because I believe they finally have stopped and have set a boundary and said, "All right, we're we're stopping adding things." But they continued to add things for this game continuously. Like they kept they kept having so many uh, uh, briefings and updates. Uh, like, hey, we got some more money. We decided to yeah. put some more. We had we had several ideas to add more implementation. Uh, we're going to revamp the combat. Uh, we're going to revamp uh, control. We're going to revamp latency. We're going to revamp texture packs. Uh, we're adding the, we're adding multiplayer. We're adding this these different types of multiplayer abilities, etc., etc., and so on. Um, 
You know what I mean? You can you can put a bare basic amount of money into that game right now and play it, and whenever the game finally gets released, you have the game. That is an appeal to me of early access. It is a it's a way for people to test what's coming out. Now what's what I wonder is, okay, let's say there's a game out there, it seems interesting, it's an early access. Yeah, I'll, sure, let me drop 30 bucks. You drop 30 bucks, you think it's a piece of garbage. Can you get a refund like normal Steam stuff? Can yeah. you get refunds, period? Well, yeah, that's that's um, fucking great. I haven't seen any exceptions, so I'd imagine so. Um, and I was looking at Star Citizen. That's actually not on Steam. So that's still early access, the way they're running right. it. Right. But, yeah, yeah that's... That's a, I'm encompassing early access. I'm not just yeah. limited to Steam. I mean, it's. I, I just wanted to clarify just to make sure in case anybody else is curious, like I was, if it had anything right. on Steam yet. Yeah, in case they go to Steam and they're like, this game isn't here. What is this? <laughs> yeah. Um, the. Um, and I've seen Dead Cells get a lot of uh, Twitch time recently because they just yeah. launched on uh, the 6th of this month of August. Mm hmm. So it's mm-hmm. fresh, and people played uh, Alpha and Beta and stuff, and um, I know Co Carnage, uh, I've been watching a lot of his stuff lately. Uh, he yeah. was really excited for it, because he played it early on, and he's like, all right, I'm going to wait for a release, and I can't wait. Um, yeah. But there are so many games. Uh, Prison Architect, I talked about it before. Um, it's I think I talked about it. I think that was when I was on the cast. Uh, but it's another simulation game. You're running in a prison. I mean, surprise, surprise. I played another simulation game. Um, but it was early access. Uh, I'm actually curious if it still is. I don't even know. Um, but I, it was a full game, uh, when I played it, I didn't have any issues with it. Um, I didn't think there was a content shortage. Uh, it is out. Um, I may have bought it after it came out of, I feel like it was at the end of early access when I got it, but it's been there uh, a while. Yeah. So. I would s- uh, one of the things that I don't, I don't know, again, because I'm there's so few games. I, I'm, I'm looking through my list, and it's really mm-hmm. almost like Dead Cells. It's about the only one that I've ever actually personally bought into. But probably because... I I would like depending on how hard up I am for the for the game, mm-hmm. I'd much rather just wait until the game was finished. I'd much rather just have the game be dropped. I don't know. I yeah. It 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 is nice to be there either on the ground floor or somewhere in the middle or somewhere close to the end and just you basically have the game early. That mm-hmm. part I get. But I don't know. I, I haven't seen any games so far on Steam that have made me just jump through hoops to want to get early access to. So it's very, very subjective. I know. I'm aware of that. Yeah. Um, and I try to think of like, it, well, what if other companies did it? You know, what if, what if the big three jumped on this? What if Breath of the Wild 2, you know, was to have an early access? Would I jump on that? I think I would not. As much as I love Breath of the Wild, I'd want that game to just floor me. Uh, I wouldn't want to jump in and, you know, well, you got to do these tricks to get Epona to even walk. You know, it's it's, it's, it's alpha, it's beta. You got to be careful. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a 
you know, thinking about from that perspective, there's a big difference between those developers and, you know, most of the early access on Steam is indies. Yeah. Um, these are people who may not be able to fund the game to completion, you know, unless right. they have right. support. Um, and instead of kickstarting where people may or may not end up with something, put in early access. They pay yeah. and they get to play. And even if the game unfortunately doesn't, you know, end up being what they expect, they got something out of it instead of nothing, which is you right. know still not great, but that's kind of right. a, at this point in time, worst case scenario, you know. And the fact that it has a, I mean, pretty much the same refund policy set up. I mean, that's, you're basically trying a game out. You're just trying it out early. Yeah. You know? And even yeah. then, you know, you may not. It depends on the level of how bad your how how many complaints and how the severity of those complaints are mm. that you have, you know. Because is are you wanting a refund and or leaving the game because it's like month one? That's kind of you know you're asking a lot. <laughs> depending yeah. and it, but then again that also depends on when they put the game up for early access. You know, a lot of variables you're discussing here. You know, you almost got to take these games by a case by case basis. You know. Yeah, it's also, I kind of wonder if there's also an aspect of it where, uh, kind of like how at E3 and other things, you know, there's a limited audience that actually gets hands-on with these early versions of games. Um, yeah. Like uh, Cyberpunk did. Uh, they handled it very well. So they didn't end up with a lot of people going, oh, I played it and it sucked. You know, they had people who were... Typically in the industry, you know, as far as media goes, uh, they actually took the time to demo properly. Uh, whereas if a game's available via early access, anybody can log on, download it, you know, buy, download it, play it, and go, oh, this sucks. And all of a sudden you have yeah. a thousand negative reviews on Steam. Whereas, you know, if it was launch, it'd be fine, you know, because you're not showing uh, such a raw game. So it's probably better from at least AAAs, these uh, studios that have a lot to lose if uh, even a hint of something wrong is there. Yeah. Um, they're going to get trounced in the media and then all of a sudden their game is, you it's, know... It's good visibility for players to... It's good visibility for players to see how money directly depending on the company and how they do it but mm -hmm. it's potential to be a good glass view for players and gamers yeah. to be like oh okay this is what it's like when a company only gets five hundred dollars you know this is what it's like when a company gets like two hundred thousand like oh okay mm -hmm. oh all right so all this stuff can get fixed and all new things get implemented new new just we get more you know yeah and I get that. That's you know, that's good. That's good to see. And and it's interesting to see how the developers respond to this. You know, are yeah. they just going to make this game regardless of the feedback they get in early access, or do they listen? Like you know, Seven Days to Die and uh, other games have, where they make changes based on user feedback. They will completely get rid of mechanics if it's bad. You know, they're right. not. Well, they swallow their pride, you know? And yeah, basically. <laughs> you know which studios you want to support in the future based on how they handle an early access game. 
Right. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's a good tool. I think it's. I, I mean, it's it's nice, and it, there, there obviously there is an audience for. There is an audience of gamers out there that just, that just plays too. Uh, it's it's again for it's, it really is case by case basis, but it is nice to see somehow if you're perusing, uh, like Steam, and you say, "Oh, here's a trailer that interests me," or "Here's an article on a game that interests me." Well, sure, if it seems interesting, check it out. You can play it right now. Like, oh, I mean, the game's not going to be out for another two years, potentially, but, yeah, play it right now. See what you think about it. And then give us feedback on it. What do you think we can improve on? What did, what did you like and, and not like? You kind of get your hands into the, the development pot. And yeah. as opposed to Kickstarter, where it's like, here's my money, give me product whenever... This is more like here's money. Oh well, you need more. Well, let me let me support you more. I can give more, and I can see it in time happening. Mm-hmm. You follow the progress. Yeah, it's cool. No. I just I wish I had I wish I had more. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's something that a lot of people they just completely shy away from uh, because it's early access. You know, these games yeah. aren't done. So it's like, well, why would I play a game that's not done? Um, yeah. But some of these are, you know, most fun I've had in a long time in this genre, you know. And yeah. You never know. Um, I, I think there was, a, there was a mech-style game that Adam showed me as well. I believe it also was Early Access. I The name completely escapes me right now, but that was kind of my hesitation. Like that, so Dead Cells is the, is the more positive side of the spectrum for me. It's the, mm-hmm. oh, this game is like 80 85 percent finished here you can play it you know you you can play the whole damn near the whole game right now you're not really going to miss out on what you don't have yet you're not really going to notice the problems or if there are problems are minimum well the mech game he showed me it was early access and it was it only been there for about seven eight months and i'd seen some trailers of it i'd watched some gameplay of it and i was like mm, this is this is too early and it's yeah, the potential for the game to be there or to be better is there, but what I saw then was I was like, eh, yeah, not yet. Like, <laughs> no, nah, not not for me, not yet. It had a yeah. thriving community. I mean, obviously the the backers were there and they were playing it and they were having a hell of a time. And the game concept being, you know, a mech build a mech, shoot other mechs, that 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 was interesting to me. But what I saw was just way too early, and I was like, "eh, yeah." And yeah, maybe the incentives from the company are are the more are another big part of a draw. You know, like if you if you're in so early, like you're part of this. I don't even know if they do shit like that. I'm talking completely out of my ass, but that that would be another incentive to be like it, depending on how early you got in is how much, you know, what's some specific things you're going to get. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not uncommon for a game to be cheaper in early access, too. Yeah. Yeah. So you may get 5 even $10 less paying for the game, buying early access and trying it and stuff yeah. in comparison. So, yeah, the feedback is definitely the, the big positive for me on this. It's, it's something where you mm-hmm. they... 
when a company puts a game out there for early access, like you as the player, you should already, if not, you need to know and understand that you're playing something that's not finished. Even yeah. if it's 95% finished, it's still not finished. So you're going to run into issues. Yep. But a company that has the, the, the courage to put their game out there and go, this is what we're trying, folks. And, and the big takeaway for them is, okay, please give us feedback. What, mm-hmm. what would you change? Why would you change? We already know most of the things that are broke. We're working on the obvious broke things, but what would make this game better? And then they get funding for it. They get more, you know, they get more, they get more funding for it and they go, yeah, now we can, now we can add these things and you get to watch the game progress. Yeah, I get it. It's yeah. cool. Or the game blows out what they started with. They're like, hey, yeah. this is what we want to do. And people are like, yeah, we like that. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to do that and more now. <laughs> so many yeah. people like it. We can improve upon an already good, solid idea and foundation. I have no numbers in front of me to prove it, but I'm I, I'm, 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 just mirroring what you said earlier. Is that I really hope that both Kickstarter and Early Access, I hope both of those have kind of seen the majority of their horror stories in the past. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully legislature or whatever word around it, just things to make that shit not good. Because for either one, for you as a person to drop 30 to $60 on something and then either it either not deliver or it is absolute garbage, that's that's not good. I don't really hear too many more stories of that lately. Nope. But again, I don't really follow early access. Yeah. Uh, I had to go research for this and I found a few stories, but most of the stories were in the past. Yeah. Exactly. And it was typical things. You know, they got, there was a shitload of money and then they got com- something completely different. I think one was like, again, I just don't have it in front of me. And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm fucking the story up, but there was some game that got a shitload of money and then ended up being just a mobile game. And people were like, what? This is, this is yeah. shit. I mean, Goddess kind of had that uh, where they released that mobile version of it, and that kind of took priority or something. It's that has yeah. been a whole mess. Um, yeah. Their horror stories about Kickstarters where they got the money and then one of the devs ran off, went rogue, oh, wow. and like bought a yeah. house with the money. Yes, um, I think that was another one I read about. Yeah, but most of that when I was doing research for this, even though I've played a lot of early access stuff, I still want to see what the internet said. A lot of the stories were from 2016 and prior. Um, yeah. Especially with Kickstarter. I want to say 2013 to 2015 was really that rough period. First for Kickstarter and then for Early Access when it started. Because um, I don't know when Early Access start, actually started. I think it was like 2015. Um, but, yeah. I remember being relatively soon. I thought this was something that had been going on for decades. And so now it was, it's fairly recent. I think because Kickstarter was always in my head, and uh, maybe Kickstarter was uh, around a little earlier than mm-hmm. that. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it, again case by case. It has its ups, it has its downs. But if if you're the type of person that, that sees something and likes to get on the, on the ground floor, and you like to watch it develop, and you get to see your money in progress, you know, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, um, Steam Early Access started March of 2013. 
Wow. It's actually older than I thought. It's super baby early. I, again, I don't know why. I didn't really have any justification for why I thought that way, but I I thought this was like, you know, back in the early 2000s. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I... I'm trying to think if... I, I just don't see... That's not really saying the right thing because you're not... Sony is not just... Sony is just a platform. I don't see other mainstream companies doing this for the consoles. I don't know if this is something consoles can support. Well, maybe. I mean, you got you have ways to save the games to a, to hard drives. All of all of them have card drives now or some type of storage space. All of them have internet capability where you can update via patches. I just don't like I don't see Capcom doing this. I don't yeah. see I don't see a Street Fighter 6 early access. I don't see a uh, God of War 2 early access. Yeah, could they do it? I think they could, but will they? I, I this is so out of my norm of speaking. Like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if they would. I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like they the the big companies just want to keep their games in, under wraps. I think the biggest hurdle with console early access is the difficulty in pushing patches and updates. Yeah. Cause there is yeah. a much more stringent pro- uh, process for it. Um, you know, it can take a day or two to get a thing pushed. If that, you know, that's pretty good uh, for that. Like no man's sky. I think it took them, you know, a day or two to get things yeah. pushed uh, at least 24 yeah. hours, maybe. No Man's Sky was early access, wasn't it? No. No. It might have been just a fact. It it might have just been a game that had a shitload of hype. It felt like it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was looking up, when I was looking up to see when early access started for Steam, uh, I also found some stats. And I was talking about ARC. And it was in early access for essentially two years. Sold more than 9 million copies wow. before it came out of early access. Wow. It's uh, Darkest Dungeon was another big one, um, mm-hmm. which they didn't have huge sales before it came out of early access, but early access was still over half a million sales um, between early access and a week after going live. <laughs> is that is that Ark Survival? Is that yeah. the game? Ark Survival Evolved. Is that that game that has all the... It has fucking dinosaurs, dinosaurs in yeah. it and shit? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a fucking PlayStation 4 copy of that in a Walmart one day, and I was like, is that a Steam game? Yeah. What? Huh. Yeah. I'm in him. Kerbal Space Program has sold millions of copies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jesus. And again, I don't know, man. It's not. I just. I. I. I go through early access, and it's just. I don't know. I don't see many things that just spark my interest. I don't see anything that makes me stop. Hold the phones. I will buy this one right now. I will get it on the ground floor. Uh, again, dead cells being my only offer to this table mm-hmm. was a very specific set of circumstances <laughs> because I saw that game played by somebody else. And it was okay if I was to get this game right now. This is the game that I would I would be getting. You yeah. know, this wasn't like an alpha release. It wasn't you know five months into the process. 
And so, that's that's kind of the success of early access is word of mouth right now. You see a streamer yeah. plays it um, and people enjoy what the streamer enjoys it, first of all. And then the people yeah. watching enjoy and they go, okay, I'll go play that. And then other streamers play and more people see it. Uh, that's yeah. kind of, I think, how uh, Darkest Dungeon got its attention. Uh, certainly how PUBG got its attention. Oh, yeah. Um, and other games. Pretty much all the early access games I've bought uh lately i've had a couple recommended to me just because of all the simulation games i've played <laughs> there are tons of them in early access uh yeah but most of them have been i saw someone stream at least part of it or talk about it or something like that and i was like okay yeah it looks good i'll go try it yeah yeah well i guess that about does it for early access um yeah it's, it's interesting. It's it's cool. It's a it's still young, and I I will see how it develops over time. Uh, see what good things come of it. We already know the bad things. The bad things are you don't get it, or you get bad shit. Uh, yeah. The good things are, man, you're you basically you get to solidify your hardcore status because you were there from the get go. <laughs> and again, the ability to add feedback and hopefully have yeah. your feedback directly impact. And you're like, you know what? At the end of the day, if they didn't listen to my idea. I like the way this game is going. I've already gave them my 60 bucks. You know, I didn't have to wait the extra two years till it gets developed. I liked what it was. You know, they improved enough and I I got to contribute way early and play it way early. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, what are your thoughts and feelings on early access? Have you had any specific experiences with it? Are there games that you right now are currently involved in with early access. You're giving money, time, feedback, any of the stuff we talked about. Uh, have you had interest in uh, interest at all in early feed in uh, early access? We'd love to hear anything you want to talk about on that subject. I promise you. Uh, what about the games we talked about earlier? Any any particular games that we mentioned that you are playing and like to give some feedback on? Maybe there's games that we have talked about that you weren't interested in, but this made you go out and play it and you found a new game that you like or enjoy, or you found critiques that we didn't. Whatever, man. We'd love to hear some good feedback from you because feedback for us is very important. It's very awesome to know that uh, somebody out there is listening and not just that they're listening, but you know, they, they get something from it. I'm telling you, the day that I get an email from somebody saying something along the lines of, man, you know, I love RPGs. Uh, I played all the Final Fantasies. I played Dragon Warriors. I played Sweet Codens. Breath of Fires, man, I love RPGs, but I've never played a Persona game. I've never had any interest in that whole entire series until you and Chris could not shut up about them, and that made me go out and buy that game. And I'm, man, I love that game. That is so awesome. I would have, I would never had experience without you know hearing you guys talk about it. That's that's that would be awesome to know, man. To to have games out there that are completely unknown to somebody, and then they jump on and they have a good time. And that's part of the reason why we do what we do. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a journal for us. It's just talking. It's like talk radio for, for the audience. But feedback is what's important to us. We'd love to hear any feedback from you guys about today's topic, anything at all. There are many ways to get us feedback. 
You can find us on Facebook. Just search Facebook for End of Time Cast. Might be how you found this episode right here. You can send us an email at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny numbers in there. I promise you, not a single one. <laughs> uh, just spell it as you heard it. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, we still have yet to been to be twitted. I'm sure we will someday. But yeah, that's it for tonight's episode, folks. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you here. You'll hear us in about a week. Until next time, I'm Michael. I'm Chris. Good night, everybody.